0: Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with, with none, none of my, my friends. friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out
1: with of With your hosts,
2: Keith Martin.
0: Mike and Deglio.
3: Yeah! Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TV. what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu!
0: Mike spent about 42 hours doing video transitions, and you're listening to this.
2: (laughs) Out of practice!
0: Spring has sprung.
3: Good days are here at last. I mean, for the most part, maybe.
0: (laughs) Jury's out. (laughs) And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I discuss. David E. Kelly's award winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season six, episode two. Although this is our third episode of the season because season, because episode one was so damn long, which means the title of season of episode two is entirely appropriate. It is Killing Time, which uh, you have been doing with us for years now. Uh, It is a beautiful spring day. How's it going,
3: Mike? It's great. I was just going to say it's, 60 degrees outside and you're in the basement and I'm in the office and we are not outside. Although I might open a window. I mean, if I might get crazy up in here and open a window.
0: Well, I, right directly, you can't see it because the camera's in the wrong direction, but directly above me is the window well of the basement, which actually has like a little, uh, you know, like one of those cutouts with the, I don't know. It's a window well, uh, which I'm able to open the window and it has a cover so I can let Charlie go into it. So right now, Charlie is sitting out there watching the birds in the window Well, safe. He can't get out, but he can watch the birds and go nuts. And so if you see a cat leap across the, the frame and land on me, knocking everything, that is why that's where he is. Now, Keith, uh,
3: I made a mention earlier this week that I was going to uh, be uh, following the the rundown for the show today, but then I I didn't ask you for it. Oh, you're actually you're gonna follow the rundown. Yeah, I'd like to Whoa. know where we're going. You know, so you're gonna just have to we're gonna have to really uh, really forecast where we're headed each each time.
0: I mean, to be fair, we pretty much do it the same way every uh, every week, and we're in like a episode 110 or so. But I will I will definitely I'm gonna well, give. You, like do you the, know that the do you know bolts. that we were gonna do more TV today? I did because you told me.
3: Oh man, I'm sorry. I had a rough morning, I should say. <laughs> uh, I went to a birthday party yesterday. My brother-in-law turned forty, uh, and you, I will mention we we played millennial Trivial Pursuit. Now, oh, uh, no. fans of the show will know that I am I am an educated human being, but I am not like smart by any stretch of the imagination, and not a millennial. It, uh, both of those things are accurate. But here's, here's what we should say about the Millennials. Mm-hmm. One of the fun things about Trivial Pursuit, generally, any of the editions I've played, is that it's, it's challenging. It is a challenging mm-hmm. game. Millennial Trivial Pursuit has dumbed it down so much. The questions oh, really? are easy. The rules have changed to make it shorter and easier, which is not what you want going into Trivial Pursuit. You want a long, arduous game that is too long for its own good and too
0: challenging. And uh yeah, I mean I mean trivial pursuit is like I don't really have a lot of friends and the friends that I do have I want to trap with me and not let them go <laughs> for a long time like monopoly, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh thumbs down to, to millennial trivia pursuit. Thumbs
3: down. But uh we made a, I made it by we, I mean me. I made a campfire for the kids that were over and uh Uh, they all wanted to sit way too close and I think Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. maybe gave myself like smoke inhalation poisoning or something because I woke up this morning and my kidney hurt like hell. I don't know what that has to do with smoke inhalation, but my right kidney was just in so much pain. Now, it might have just been my back from collecting firewood. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. All I'm saying is I woke up, doubled over in pain all effing morning. And-
0: (laughs) I was out making hauling firewood, and the children were all misbehaving, and now my kidney hurts. Oh! Uh,
3: my little nephew, though, was helping me. He's the only, all the kids, my brother's kids were over and my sister's kids were there, and uh, they uh, and we were all appropriately distanced and masked—not distanced, mm-hmm. but masked. And uh, he, the only one that would help me collect firewood, which is my favorite thing to do, is or you know uh, kindling for the fire. Go yep. and get sticks from the backyard, and he was hauling this little, his little, uh, um, what do you call it? You know, the thing you pull behind you, the wagon, like a wagon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were putting sticks in and everything, and then he got a couple ones that he's like, "These are too big, Uncle." I'm like, "They're just too big." And I pulled out my Leatherman and I showed him the little saw, you know, the wood saw, and I was like, "Okay, buddy, it's time to teach you to be a man." And he's like, "He's there sawing the little wood with the Leatherman." I
0: teach da- the children <laughs> with my pocket knife how to whittle wood. <laughs>
3: God damn it was cute. He's so cute. <laughs> uh, and his sister's so mean. I don't
0: know. My sister got one of each. Uh, they happened. Well, it's it's funny that you mention like a like a little fire because uh yesterday we were able to sit outside for the first time in the backyard and we have a little fire pit. You know, it's not like dug in, it's one of those like metal yeah, yeah. thingies that we were like. We're so excited to get started uh, doing it. And, of course, we were, order, like, ordering patio furniture because we have, like, literally nothing. We were sitting on a we couple just of holding folding chairs. Yeah. And so we... Uh, but we were sitting outside and just loving watching the sunset in our backyard and realizing that uh, as there's planes going overhead every three minutes, that we are now in Raway, roughly equidistant to Newark as we were to LaGuardia in Astoria. <laughs> 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 so, we used to sit on the roof in Astoria and watch the planes take off from LaGuardia, and now we're gonna sit in our backyard and watch the planes take off from Newark.
3: <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah, we... Uh, it's
0: go nice. Ahead, go ahead. We, yeah, no, no, we it, it's, not, it's not so loud that it's bothersome. I just get to look at planes all the time, like I'm 10. We went, yeah, we've switched from cat
3: content to just old guy content. We uh <laughs> we were so excited because, you know, last week or was the week before, it was like a really springy week and we were like F this because one of our big big parts of the move uh was to get some outdoor space and we have this nice little patio sure. deck it's beautiful that looks out. We just happened to get a private spot in the development here where we can like see some some trees and stuff, some deer grazing and some happy little deer, some happy little trees.
0: Happy little deer, beautiful deer. And happy mistake.
3: we went to Lowe's and we found some patio furniture. and We got some things. I bought a new Bluetooth speaker, and I like hung it up on the thing. And I was just sitting nice. out there last weekend watching golf, sipping coffee, and like <laughs> with the speakers and the twinkling. And I was like, "I've become my father." It's so weird. I,
0: oh. I can't believe he's, he he kicked it off with a three wood on a par five. What is he doing? I want to
3: just a quick aside, and then we'll we'll get into the show. Uh, yeah. Maybe. So you Unlikely. know we had we had talked about the you know. I kind of went on a, a therapy journey with you, listeners, and you, Keith, about my dad these past few weeks or months, and it's been great. But I was mentioning that I had done that on the pod yesterday uh, to my family to see if they were interested in, in watching it, and I had talked about how you know I had pieced together um, kind of that last couple months, and I was yeah. sure that the majority of my memories were were inconsistent at best and wrong at worst. Right. And Keith, it facilitated like maybe a forty five minute conversation with my brother and sister about really? that period of time that we have never had in my no entire kidding. life. We've never sat down as a family and discussed it. We just never discussed it. And we did for the first time yesterday. And as predicted, I was wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> Remember I said it was a long, arduous like three to seven days that my dad like languished at home and and, mm-hmm. and we just waited vigil by his side? It was forty eight hours. Really? Yep, it
0: happened no, in two are, days. are you sure that they're right? No,
3: um, but my brother-in-law uh, passed on a really interesting article by uh, Malcolm Gladwell about flashpoints and how uh, really, really impact a lot of people in really impactful moments in their lives completely invent the situation. Like he has a memory of nine eleven. Mac- Malcolm Gladwell's memory of nine eleven in his brain is not in- at all consistent with the truth. Interesting. Yeah, he's like my neighbor came over and we did all the stuff and the neighbor's like
0: I I didn't even see you that day. It's interesting. Wow. Anyhow. Well, I mean we we are organic, you know, messy people as uh, as organic beings. Uh, well, uh, on that on that note, hey bud, Charlie. Let Let's have Charlie say hi. Yes. Charlie, you're live on the air, bud. Crop dusting. Not exciting. Crop dusting. <laughs> don't fart yeah well you realize <laughs> ironic we talk about you crop testing uh because the last time you did this I was uh talking about the death of my grandfather um and talking about uh his life and uh are we going there now fr- we're gonna go there now okay. so uh yeah so <laughs> this weekend on sadly we <laughs> it's hard to take this seriously with a cattail uh jump jump up jump up you can get it, get in your window. Um, but in all seriousness, we, we lost my grandmother this weekend, um, which was not, um, not unexpected. It was perhaps sooner than we expected, but also it's, it's one of those things we were, you know, it's she was also 93 years old and had been in poor health for a long time. Um, so, uh, that's a bummer, but I want to talk a little bit about her life as well, um. Her name was Jean Ragsdale-Wolvington, and she was married to my grandfather. I think we we actually showed this picture uh, last time uh, when my grandfather was in the Navy, uh, looking all of 12, uh, but that was them right when they first got married. Um, she uh, grew up in Kansas, out on the prairie, and uh, before uh, spending time in Colorado, and then uh, spent most of her life, in or adult life, in Burlington. Um so yeah, so she uh, was she was a really kind uh, and an interesting woman. She was the uh, the VNA volunteer of the year. Uh, she was a uh, her, her she really liked sewing, and she did a bunch of stuff like that. And so she spent uh, many years teaching refugees how to sew, just sort of basic life skills, um, and did all of that. If you go to the next picture, it was one of their first cars. And of course, uh, this was back in the 30s or early 40s. So it was very conservative. And they uh, were driving out in this car and it broke down by the side of the road. And uh, the battery did something. And he was, he, my grandfather pulled out and grabbed, uh, opened up the hood and the battery sprayed battery acid all over him. Ugh. And so he's like by the side of the highway and he has to like tear off all of his clothes. Like buck ass naked by the side of the highway, and he's like, "Gene, get me clothes, get me clothes!" And so she, you know, my grandmother goes into the suitcase and opens it up, and finds that my grandfather's mother had sewed all of his underwear shut for the honeymoon. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that was fun. She, oh, so so this this is my grandmother and uh, her four children. That's my. Mom, the eldest on the right, holding Bob, the baby, and Jim and Claudia. Um, and uh, they all uh, moved on to do really cool, interesting, uh, and successful things. Uh, the other thing I liked about my grandmother was uh, what we called the grandma score in cards. And that was, uh, we played a game called the Dumb Game, which I, for the life of me, don't know what it's actually called. right? But... Literally every Saturday night of my entire childhood um, would involve, we'd, we'd go to Grandma and Grandpa's house and we'd get Domino's pizza. We'd watch Hee Haw <laughs> into watching Star Trek The Next Generation, which was on its first run, which the uh, the older of the boys there, Uncle Jim, was the guy who did all the sound effects for Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um, and then we would play the dumb game and she was famous for it was a game where you wanted to have a, the the smallest score possible at in the, the game and grandma would always have like 500 some odd points which was like a record so we it, so forever that would be a grandma score and if we go to the next picture here you'll see uh that was a picture that i took of my grandma when i was probably 8 or 9 and i got my first camera um back in our old kitchen and uh Go to the next one. You'll see her with my grandfather. No, actually, no. Even better. You know, I talked about she liked to sew, right? And so she actually sewed this costume that I wore in my high school production of Kismet. Oh, it's you! I was trying when you said sent me these, and I was putting
3: them together. I was like, "Who? What the heck is this about?" I thought that was your. I thought it was her in an amazing (laughs) photograph from a summer stock in the
0: fifties, but (laughs) no, no, that was uh, me. As the poet in Kismet in high school, um, and so she she actually sewed that costume. She sewed a costume uh, for my first lyric show, my Bobby Shafto and Babes in Toyland costume. Amazing. Um, so she did a lot of lot of fun stuff like that. And as I mentioned, uh, she and my grandfather were married for almost seventy one years. And there's a wow. next picture is a picture of the two of them, I believe.
3: Just a sec. Let me get
0: back unless to I am you. wrong. Oh, you're right. Yeah, wow. there they are. That's awesome. And yeah, it was it, like their their marriage and their loyalty to each other was was really quite impressive. How and, many years uh, were they married? 71? Wow. I think so, I think that I know they celebrated their 70th and uh you know, and they and you know, it's 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 one of those things, you know, they died within 6 weeks of each other. And you know, I I I get it. I mean, it's 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 very sad, but they they really did hold on for each other and that was that was very special, um, and I will leave us with one last picture, my favorite picture of my grandmother.
3: Just a moment, as I have unfortunately. Uh,
0: All right. Well, while you stall, I'll say one last thing. One of my one of my favorite things about my about my grandmother was that she liked to uh, tell uh, one story over and over again, as if it were new <laughs> every time. About her owning a one-legged chicken as a child, and so one of the <laughs> the rites of passage that you always did—you always had to pretend like the story about the one-legged <laughs> chicken was the first time you'd heard it. <laughs> but it was—it was, it was really—it was really. Can quite we hear charming. it? I feel
3: like we need to hear it.
0: I, I well, that was basically it. The story was she had a one-legged chicken uh, <laughs> when she was a kid, and uh, and she was also a, a tremendous athlete in high school. Um, and and that's so we mild, tell he, stories about mild. that so yeah so anyway so this is a picture of her and me that is me when i was what am i two or three and that <laughs> that is definitely how i will remember her uh lord knows what nonsense we were up to well, there. Sure, looks like a woman so. who
3: loved the hell out of you
0: yeah. Yeah. No, she, and, and she loved her family and, and we spent a lot, a lot of time together, um, you know, with every, every Saturday night. Then we'd play bocce. She was a good, she was a great skier, uh, would do that in her, in her younger days. And we spent, I mean, it was with her and, uh, Vernon Barb Emerson, who I pointed out when talking about uh, my grandfather, they were, you know, that was, that was my core, core family. And, uh, you know, so we're very, very uh, sorry to have lost them both, um, and, um, you know, certainly condolences to my mother and her siblings. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, awesome. so, uh, you know, sad time, but really happy to to celebrate them both uh, a little bit here.
3: You know, I think as you get older, we've talked about it a bunch on the show, you start to, you wonder, you start to redefine what legacy is, I suppose, mm. and in your youth, you're sort of hyper-focused on what have I achieved? What do I hope to continue to achieve? And it's very about you. And as I get older and, and we talk about these things on the show even, I realize that uh, there's almost nothing better about, a le- there's almost no more beautiful legacy than just the simple fact that your family remembers the love that you gave. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's no. it, it sounds like you're, Grandparents will will never be forgotten. Uh, that's no, and
0: it's it, it, and I was thinking it's, it's ironic for someone who doesn't have children, doesn't plan to. Uh, it's not. It's it's less what you leave behind is who you leave behind. Yeah. And you know, and I and I think about both of them and their their kids. You know, and everybody has you know their own complicated life and existence and experience, but they they put they put out four kids who were all very successful in their own ways uh, and in a very varied way. but more than that they're all good people. Mm. you know uh, you know my 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 mother and my uncles and my aunt they're all good interesting interested loving people and however however we all got there, that's really something to say that's yeah. and 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 they're all close and that's also a lot to say. and so it's um you know i think that i think that means a lot.
4: absolutely.
0: and they, you know, and i wouldn't be here without them. so anyway, uh on that note, <laughs> let us um let us move forward with the show and do a little segment about people contacting us, mm-hmm. mike, mm-hmm. called
2: filings into
0: Well, first off, if you would like to contact us, you can look on your screen right now and find it. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at out of practice podcast. Uh, you can do any and all of those things, or just leave a little note right below here on the YouTube video, as our moderator, Phoenix Cage, did last week. And uh, last week, we put out the episode on March 13th, which was. Uh, our sort of personal uh, anniversaries of COVID. And he said, March 13th, 2020 was a memorable memorable day for me as well. That was the day I developed a fever and found out that my cousin was very sick. She and her sons flew out from Vancouver for a family funeral where I saw her a week prior. She had to stay quarantined here for several weeks and eventually became the first person in Toledo diagnosed with COVID, which is how I found out that I had COVID. Many mem. uh, Many members of my family had it that month, but fortunately after the first one, none of us had to be hospitalized. Um yeah. I'm 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 glad that everybody was safe. I, you know, I I had a very similar experience. I mean, we got it sort of immediately after as well because of Jillian's show, which we had talked about in the podcast at the time. Um, but he said, uh, as a germaphobe, it turned out to be a blessing because one terrifying week saved me from being terrified for the whole year, which I think speaks uh, more to your mental health because uh, we got it. Uh, we were still scared all year. Yeah. <laughs> Phoenix also says, love the new look. I noticed it on the podcast thumbnail as well. It's like starting off the new season with a fresh coat of paint. And eat uh, definitely. To which, to which I say thank you. i I really uh enjoy coming up with new nonsense for us every season, even though it probably just confuses our listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I'm trying to like draw in new people, like might have clicked on it once, maybe give us a second chance, but I think it's probably just confusing. Uh meanwhile, founding sponsor Jorge Navoa says uh about last episode, which was the Ellison case. Sorry, but Mr. and Mrs. Ellison both need to go to prison. They named their daughter Allison? Allison? Ellison? If ever the Massachusetts needed to bring back the death penalty, (laughs) uh, to which you valiantly defended me because we had not dropped part two, because I had definitely brought that up in part two, which should be in your feed. Last week Uh, (laughs) There's so many tenses that got combined there (laughs) We went into like a a tense black hole there for a second And you will hear that in the future, in the past In the past (laughs) Coming up in the past, you will hear (laughs) that episode But, speaking, speaking of founding sponsors Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new... Founding sponsor joining the heralded ranks of Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, and Jennifer Massanova. We welcome new sponsor, Kari Coon. We are so so grateful. Thank you very very much. A new friend who has very generously uh joined our group of founding sponsors. If you would like to join them, uh Michael tell you how. You can do so
3: by clicking the show notes. You can leave a one-time donation or a recurring monthly contribution for as low as 4.99, which is very complicated. I don't know why they just don't make it $5, but it's the same difference. But Wait, they have
0: to give 5?
3: They can't give like 1? When they no yeah, I think the 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 lowest monthly contribution via uh, Anchor is $5. Or people are just generous. I don't know. To be honest, I haven't given I, it a lot of... Uh,
0: I uh, don't know. Maybe, maybe Anchor is wildly overestimating us. Yeah, potentially. But look, <laughs> look, we've developed quite a war chest, which is why we can afford
3: all of the bells and whistles you see and these like, stupid string lights I've strung up on my instruments so that I am as cool I as people that. in the basement. Uh, but, <laughs> but should you decide... We're having a LED light off. Should you decide... <laughs> Yeah, Amazon's like, guys, enough. Uh, <laughs> should you decide you don't want to uh, contribute to the show uh, financially, that's quite all right. But we do, uh, we do remind you that you can join the jury um, and just leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. As Keith mentioned last week, somehow, some way, it actually is helpful.
0: So it makes a huge difference. And uh, we very much appreciate it. Well, uh, yeah. So, again, thank you so much. I'm assuming it's Kari, not Carrie. But uh, if if I'm wrong, uh, let us know. Uh, mm-hmm. Doc pay I, I understand completely. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much. Very exciting. And now it is time to hop back into the time machine, No, no, should we do
3: TV first?
0: Oh, okay. It is time to pick up your remotes. And do a little segment we call More TV. Oh, you added little cutouts to the animation? I've done it all, buddy. Wow. Um. So
3: I guess I'll go first is my guess, right?
0: Yeah, I don't think I have anything. So, you know, okay. talk okay. about TV, dude.
3: Yeah, I will. Uh, we've been watching a couple of little things here. I, I don't know where I put them, which is making me a little um, <laughs> nervous. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, Oh, yes! There you uh-huh. did Yes! Uh, so it's it's Academy Award season, and so we have taken from just watching stupid television consistently. By the way, I still love uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and Keith, your boyfriend, is still going strong. Is he really? Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Uh, Olivia oh, Lux, God. Olivia Lux, one of our I will fan have
0: to I'll have faves. to uh,
3: check it out. Uh, though I should use the she pronoun as we're discussing uh, her drag character, her character, yes, yes. Uh, so, but we began our journey with a, a, a movie I've been hearing quite a bit about, a lot of buzz about. It's an Amazon uh, film, so you can see it on your Amazon streaming service uh, if you have Prime; mm-hmm. it's free for you. And it is called Sound of Metal, and it is. Riz Ahmed, and it is a, a tour de force performance. And I I don't think, I think it's been spoiled, quote unquote, in the advertising. So uh, the, He's a drummer, the, I get it. Yeah, the general plot is- Spoiler a, alert, he's a drummer. A, a drummer who is in a band with his girlfriend, and they play loud music, and uh, that might or might not be a contributing factor, but he is uh, he's finding out that he is losing his hearing and oh. it is basically an exploration a character study of a of a young man uh, dealing with not just the loss of his hearing but coping with that lifestyle coping with the fallout of his career uh, of of his relationship a lot of things and you know i have uh, i have some thoughts on you know it, it it's interesting because it is a full film that is really hyper focused on one character and so I I feel a little like I really would love to get to know some of the other characters who give amazing performances a little bit in more in depth. However, that's not that's not the story we're telling. I understand that, uh, but the performance here is really it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful movie, and there are some beautiful performances by some of the the deaf cast. And Riz Ahmed uh, learned ASL uh, or a great deal of it. I think he said seven months of intense study. Uh, he, he learned. Uh, a good amount of music, it appears. It is just a, a beautiful film, and it's shot on a, on a respectable budget, and it's definitely a recommend. It's definitely a recommend. It is, uh, there is some hope. There is a lot of despair. But what is really, really interesting, Keith, which is why I wanted to highlight it on this uh, podcast, is that the sound design is really, really interesting because they make a lot of attempts to simulate for a hearing audience mm. the experience of a person who is losing their hearing and then attempting to get it back through cochlear implants and through ver- and various different uh, scenes throughout the film they're they're simulating through audio recording and through different effects the feeling and the experience of of a hearing person experiencing that of a deaf person and it is it's like an audio point of view shot yes which i don't know that i've ever really experienced before. And and I think for the most part it is very, very successful. And the other thing I really appreciate about it is that look, any sort of life-changing flashpoint, injury, loss of however you want to, I don't want to be ableist about this. So I don't know the proper terminology to, to phrase what I'm saying. But they could have they could have shot this movie as just a total dirge, right? Of this uh, mm-hmm. misery of losing your hearing, but what Riz Ahmed has said in 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 many interviews, and, and I think the film does a does a, a fine job of representing, is that ASL in, in many ways is a, is a language that that transcends verbal language. Uh, it it mm-hmm. incorporates a a much fuller and deeper way of communicating, uh, more engaged, and the deaf community is. Is not a disabled community, and I think they don't like to be viewed mm. that way. And I think this film uh, portrays that uh, in a very beautiful way. So it's it's definitely a recommend for me. I don't know if you, no. it was on your radar, but
0: no, it's not. But it's it's interesting. An old an old uh, nymph buddy of mine is a deaf composer, huh? Who is a terrific composer and is completely deaf. Wow, that's classic. which which is really remarkable. So uh, anyway, what's up, Jay? Uh, so, yeah, cool.
3: So, yeah, that's like sound of, the Sound of Metal uh, on Amazon streaming. Also, I think, I <laughs> I think I've think i mentioned on, on the show, I've, I've been checking out the uh, Peacock original Punky Brewster. Uh, first, mm-hmm. my general feelings on Peacock, they're f- current, they, they have a free tier, which is pretty awesome. I found that in the Hulu and some of the the other like free tiers of these streaming services are just uh, torture, because the, the, the level of commercials and the length of them and the repetition right. of them is just insanity. Uh, however, Peacock currently, we know it will change, is has quite a, a lot of free offerings, and there's only about 30 seconds of commercials throughout the entire episodes. Now, Punky Brewster is nothing more than candy, nostalgia, it's Fuller House, but a little bit edgier i guess you could say but if you were a fan of the original it's 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 a nice little pastime um i will say what i what i do appreciate about it and which is why i would say even give the pilot or the first two episodes just to watch is that this is one of the benefits of uh these streaming services is that they don't or they, they are free of some of the uh, the constraints of network television in in the in the topics they can cover. Even though this is yeah. a candy-coated sugar television show, the original Punky Brewster, if you ever watched it, actually rode the line sometimes of some more edgy materials. Uh, and this attempts to be very inclusive. It's showing a blended family, it's showing, it, it discusses uh, an interesting conversation on marijuana use, uh, in, some interesting conversations on gender fluidity, a lot of now, it does not go more than itsy bitsy skin deep about these things, but <laughs> right. the 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 acknowledgement by the writers that they are att- attempting to insert into, ch- I mean, young child programming, tween programming at best, uh, some of these topics, I think is is a good indication that we can there is a moderate voice, a moderate liberal voice uh, that isn't just so that's like total cancel culture and like you know. Totally progressive, and or and or totally like we have to have conservative family values. There's people speaking in the
0: middle, which I think is uh, good. So well, yeah. and it's 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 shifting the middle to a more inclusive place. <clears throat> yes, I would agree with that, uh, which I think is important,
3: especially in this the climate we find ourselves in. And then finally, I'd like to uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. I think the it, this is probably a little tiny to read, but there's a, a YouTube channel I've mentioned that I'm really getting into. It's called Defunct Land and it's, it's this guy who does a ton of content on old, the history of uh, theme parks and theme attractions country throughout the country. It's a oh, lot of focus on Disney, a lot of focus on Disney, but they also have a project, a VR project, where they're, they're recreating old rides in full virtual reality. So oh, one, one, one they've released is the old 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride, uh, mm-hmm. And it's in full immersive 3D. And you actually go down into the ship and you do the whole ride in VR and it's awesome. Oh, fun. But there's a sub-segment of his channel that is that is slowly growing it, that is called Defunct TV. And it is in, like 12 to 15 minute, 12 to 25 minute explorations and deep dives on old uh, television shows. There's a whole thing on a lot of stuff on Jim Henson, a lot of stuff on Sesame and, and uh, some other shows that used to watch Pinwheel you know, some of the other uh, kid programs we used to watch. The old, uh, do you remember those really, looking back, we watched them as kids, but then as you watch it as an adult, it's it's really frightening, those Pooh Corner and uh, Dumbo shows, but they were live action with just guys in, pup- in those big puppet
0: costumes? I didn't because we didn't have cable growing up. Mm-hmm. And so we only had two and a half channels and we well, were barely were allowed to watch those. These were these oh, public access channels, yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, I'll put a link in the show notes to this. De- definitely,
3: whether you're interested or even uh, interested on the on the periphery, it's 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 a cool exploration. I bet you'll find a, a couple that you'd like to watch. So I want this is a, a channel that I gave a I gave a subscribe and I even hit that little buy, bell icon. They don't need your subscription, trust me, but I'm sure they'd like to have it. Oh, we'll take your subscription <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th- anyway, that's <laughs> I think that's all I put on my screen. Oh, yep, yeah, and we're back to the beginning. So uh, that's what I've got, Keith. Anything you've been watching that you'd like to uh, highlight or should we uh, uh bail?
0: No, I mean I, I started the the uh the Justice League redo. Oh, the Snyder cut? The four hour vangury? Yeah, I started it. We can talk about it next week, but Okay. Uh that was that was interesting. The the four by three aspect ratio Ugh. threw me. Yeah. I I I may have cropped it. We'll, oh, and uh, give it and gave a zoom I'm, I might have given it a zoomsie because oh. I, that was just—it was going to drive me nuts.
3: I'm uh, I'm not going to watch that. Really? Yeah, I'm not. I, I thought the first one was so bad, and either you can't, there's no way you can, you can save it. So I'm out.
0: Well, you know, it's not necessarily. I, I'm not watching it from the standpoint like, oh, now it's going to be good. I'm just fascinated by two such vastly different visions, and the very fact that this exists at all. That they invest yes, in another the seventy million to do this, it, like from the, from the standpoint of a writer and a director, I find it fascinating. Absolutely,
3: the story of its inception is a much more interesting story to me than. In order to even appreciate the new cut, I'd have to remember the first one, and I put it so far out of my
0: cerebellum well, I, that, yeah. I mean, I, I think because I don't, I, I don't really give much of a shit about the the superhero movies. Like, I enjoy them. I really do enjoy them, and I watch them all, but I don't have a lot, like, personally invested as if it were, like, a Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Then I would be like, you know, fuck you. You did what to the what? This I just don't care so much about, so I become more interested in the behind-the-scenes stuff. Anyway, let us move forward, hop back into the time machine, and talk about the, uh, the week of September 30th, 2001, when this show aired, and it brings up the eternal question. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Ah, oh, there we go. You yeah, got it, your
5: little.
3: Yeah, it was supposed to work. I don't know. I, I spent so much time programming this stuff. I was supposed to automate that. And, and eventually.
0: It looks just... great. It looks yeah. great. There's only like three people who actually watch this, <laughs> and two of them are us. <laughs> like almost literally.
6: <laughs> oh, my God. Um,
0: There's like you, me, and Phoenix in like a bar somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. All right. So September 30th, the year 2001. What were you up to?
3: Well, Keith, I uh, I was dreaming, and I'm gonna tell you all about it uh, any minute now.
0: Uh, I was I was <laughs> I was a few Mike days. fights tech. He tries to keep talking anyway.
3: <laughs> I was about to move to the Big
0: Apple, baby. <laughs> um, oh, guys, you need to see this picture. This Get is, on the YouTubes. Look at this picture of Mike and Deggo with the Superman
3: tattoo. This is uh, exactly a picture of me. Uh, exactly. Uh, probably two weeks after I moved. But regardless, it's me at this time period. Uh, as a friend of mine used to say, man, you have a Bronx build, which was loaded with so much uh, and is not wrong. And No, no, you did, yeah. I, uh, I'll i say that...
0: Uh, you were thicker back in the day uh, yes, than I was you are thicker. now.
3: I, uh, and that goatee. We both had goatee phases that we, we probably should have uh, rethought. Definitely. And I'll say this, Keith. Be, um, I didn't know what to expect when I moved to New York. And it was a scary time. But my yeah. first night, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it more next week when I actually moved to New York about where I was living and the crap hole I was in. And, but my first night, uh, I was in this dorm room type of situation, and my roommate at the time was having a party. I didn't know any of the people, and I just kind of like crawled up into my little bed and was, uh, I guess I should have saved the story for next week, but whatever, we're here. And I crawled up into my little top bunk because there was only room for bunk beds because it was so tiny. And his name was Richard Zhu, and he wasn't uh, supposed to tell anyone, because while we were in conservatory, you weren't supposed to be taking any auditions, let alone any gigs. And what he had Uh, done, unbeknownst to the school at the time, was auditioned for and secured a role in the Broadway production of Thoroughly Modern Millie. So he was going to school during the day, and performing in Thoroughly Modern Modern Millie in the evening. He was having a party. secretly. Yes. Oh my God. And uh, one of the cast members from that show, I will... That I'll leave for another time uh, was over at this party and some things were taking place. And uh, they decided to all crash there, but there was no room. And so this very beautiful uh, member of the cast crawled up into my bunk and was like, introduced herself. And she was like, Hey, you mind if I sleep here? And I was like, No, no, I don't. And uh, <laughs> I thought to myself, Well, maybe this will be okay. <laughs> that was how I got ushered into the, the New York uh, theatrical scene. I mean, oh nothing happened. God.
0: obviously, I, I slept like like this and was,
3: you know, but uh, oh my
0: God, I'm gonna get on Facebook and ask Harriet Harris how the night was. <laughs> no.
3: Yeah, right. So me and Sutton have been friends ever since. <laughs> so uh, you and Gavin, right, 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 right. Um,
0: anyway, so wow, I think that, that, uh, that is such a college experience. It was really cool. <laughs> Yeah, 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 the platonic true. bed share. Mm-hmm. So wow. uh, let me. Uh,
3: I think I think everything should be working now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, to our next thing.
0: Anyway, you mean like what happened in my basement? Oh, oh God. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> Keith. Uh, <laughs> you, you were know, so I... excited about uh, having the uh, three quarters of the original cast of Thoroughly Modern Millie in your bed non-sexually. You forgot, right. That I was also Oh, there it is. <laughs> now it worked. Oh, we got him. Hey.
3: <laughs> oh
0: my god. Next week.
3: Next week when it all next works Next week we're going to get week. this.
0: We're going to nail it next week. So, uh so what I was doing is I was beginning rehearsals for uh what was sort of the big event of the first half of my senior year at school, and that was, I was in rehearsals for the uh, opera Transformations. Which was a contemporary, atonal opera by Conrad Souza, which was a, uh, a retelling of the Grimm's fairy tales by Anne Sexton, which took place in an insane asylum Was the darkest thing you've ever seen in your life and completely atonal the entire time. And I played a crazy person and Rumpelstiltskin. It was really this crazy experience. But I, I, all of that makes it sound like it wasn't awesome, but it was super awesome. (laughs) And I really enjoyed doing it. And as we move forward, get closer to the performances, I will uh, fill you in with more stuff. I have productions from, I have photos from the production. Uh, my parents have a VHS of it. I don't have access to it. So, um, but uh, in this, and I perhaps, I'm just teasing it, I may or may not do it, but in the next couple of weeks, I might uh, sing a little phrase yes. from it, which was the m- there is uh, things as difficult in music. I'm not sure there's anything more difficult than this insane atonal phrase. That I had to learn and did so many times that now, 20 years later, I still remember it. Uh, And we will. Yeah, I guess there's no other way
3: but to insert it into
0: your gray matter. Oh my god, it it'll it'll be with me to my to my final days. Um, But it was uh, it was really cool. It It was a very cool production. That's awesome, and it was. It was neat to be doing something where the composer was still alive and so on and so forth. All right. We will talk more about that later. But now it is time to zoom out a little bit and uh, talk about this day in a, a, a some sort of a globe-shaped thing. <laughs> Are you ready, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Such
7: as... It's time for the out-of-practice podcasts This Day in the World The Greatest Hits The Biggest Movies Headlines from Vermont Essential Sports Updates And for some inexplicable reason The Weather from 20 Years Ago Now back to Keith and Mike
0: Well Yes, look at that Mike has created a new graphic And we are, of course, hearing A cover of Fallen by Alicia Keys, which was the number one hit this week. The top movie was Don't Say a Word, which took in $18 million. It was a Michael Douglas, Sean Bean, and Brittany Murphy, uh, sort of crime heisty kind of a film. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about the president pressuring the Taliban. So we were uh, not far from beginning the war that's still going. 20 years later, the first of a couple of different wars we were going to start uh, as a result. I was about to say, as a result of 9 11, the first one was, second one was a result of you were mean to my daddy and I want your (laughs) oil. But that's that's a topic for another time. Scratching those 20 year old uh, (laughs) wounds. (laughs) Speaking of things that are 20 year old that most people don't want to talk about, Phoenix. It's time for... It's time, it's time, 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 it's time for sports. sports. The New York football Giants beat the New Orleans Saints in the first game back at Giants Stadium after 9-11. Thunder and Lightning both scored in the second quarter before Kerry Collins put away the Saints with a 46-yard to touchdown to Joe Jervisius to cement the 21-13 to win. Tony Bennett sang the national anthem in a ceremony honoring first responders. Meanwhile, the Eagles crossed the Cowboys 40-18. McNabb threw three touchdowns, including two to Chad Lewis. Oh. I hadn't stumbled, there. I would have gotten there. You almost got there. <laughs> would have gotten there. Okay. And now, in the segment which we normally would do the weather, <clears throat> we're going to do another segment that involves uh, a different time period mm-hmm. and perhaps behavior not sanctioned by the law in a segment we call Wow, look at that. On October
3: 31st, 2001, Ryan Ferguson and his friend Chuck Erickson, both 17-year-old high school students, attended a few Halloween parties and then continued to drink at a local bar in Columbia, Missouri. That same night, Keith Colt was found beaten and strangled to death during an attempted robbery in a parking lot not far from where Ferguson and Erickson had been partying. The night of the murder, Erickson had been under the influence of cocaine, Adderall and alcohol, Keith, which caused him to black out. As the case drew attention from the local media, Erickson began to have lucid dreams about the murder, prompting him to question his actions on the night that it happened. He asked his friend Ferguson if they had any involvement in the murder and Ferguson said, no, absolutely, we were drinking at a party. In 2004, a local newspaper released a sketch of the suspect and Erickson believed it resembled him. So after expressing his worries to a couple of friends, one alerted the police and he was taken into custody for questioning. During the interrogation, Erickson didn't know any of the details surrounding the murder, including what Holbert was strangled with, what he was wearing, but despite no evidence linking them to the crime and any apparent motive, Missouri prosecutor Kevin Crane charged Ferguson and Erickson with the murder. Erickson, that's the guy who had blacked out, agreed to a plea deal for a lighter sentence of 25 years in exchange for testimony against his friend Ferguson. At Ferguson's 2005 trial, Erickson took the stand and claimed that Ferguson had killed Health Colt during their attempt to rob him for money to buy more alcohol. Despite several inconsistencies in Erickson's testimony, Ferguson was found guilty of second-degree murder and robbery and sentenced to 40 years in prison. Oh, shit. In a 2012 public court hearing, Erickson admitted that he had committed perjury because Crane had pressured him into testifying against Ferguson. Erickson said that he was sure now that Ferguson was not guilty, and he had perjured himself with a combination story fed to him by the prosecution and his on his blacked-out uh, inventions. In November of 2013, a Missouri appeals court overturned Ferguson's conviction, and after spending a nearly a decade in prison for a crime he didn't commit as he had just been at a party, he regained his freedom at the age of 29. Missouri will not retry the case. And at this time, it remains unsolved. Wow.
0: Interesting. Yeah, right? So basically, Keith, that could be you and I. The guilty Uh, conscience that he wasn't guilty. But he still took a a plea deal and and sold his friend into prison for 40 years. That's crazy.
3: But what I found interesting about that is though, even though it was blatantly clear, apparently, uh, by the way, thanks to crimemuseum.org for that story. Uh, uh, even though there was plenty of inconsistencies, and any good detectives would have known that that was not uh, a case. They did a Helen McMurderer and uh, our Dr- Judge Helen Hall- Dread, and they were like, "Let's get this conviction. That we can convince this guy he did anything."
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, and and I I love the uh, I love your graphic there. Well, well done. thanks, buddy. Right, I'm it you know I'm, a- I'm slowly but surely putting a little bit of effort into well, a little what, evidence. What what well, on. you know it's so funny. That you mention uh, Helen Judge Helen McDread uh, because that's I don't know, related to some uh, was it was it a television show uh, that <laughs> we we used to talk I, about? I vaguely remember I might have blacked out from a, a college party but I <laughs> vaguely remember we used to talk about some sort of a television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I feel like our audience might be saying something like...
2: I'm a human being, goddammit! My life has value! And I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time!
0: This episode of The The Practice, that's what we talk about every week a little bit, and mostly about ourselves. It is season six, episode two of The Practice, Killing Time, or Killing Time, it's hard to say, going to find out, and it was written by David E. Kelly and Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on Poor Richard's Almanac, and directed- That's when he bit it, right? Yeah, that's when he bit it. And uh, directed by Daniel Attias, who last directed The Case of Harlan Bassett. Another great episode. Mm -hmm. Which leaves us with only one important question. A question that we ask of a co-host who is going to... I I got it now. I'm back on track now. (laughs) It's a segment we call... What is that supposed to be? What's your problem?
8: Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What?
7: What, what
1: does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened?
0: Now, if you're playing at home, you know, season six is the season of, uh... Measured? Me- no, 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 oh, no! Wait. You're right. You changed. It me. was. It's. It is the season of uh, extreme pitches or sexy oh. pitches or uh,
3: yeah, big pitches. Like big
0: Sex. pitches. It is the season of big pitches where you're gonna pitch your uh, you pitch an episode to us, Mike. Well, you'll recall at the end of last episode,
3: we were. So which is like now it's our third episode, but it's now it's like after their second episode. We really screwed up the timeline here. So
0: in the future, you will already have listened to this. Yes. uh, And you'll know that uh, we got uh,
3: off for the murder of that guy. And it was because he was uh, having a gay affair and his wife actually did the murdering. And then she did a whole monologuing. uh, You know, you caught me monologuing with uh, Eleanor at the end. And she was like, I did it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you can't catch me. <laughs> just like that, actually, that's a very
0: it was a remarkable uh, Daryl Hammond. Are you
3: here, uh, Daryl? And uh, and and Eleanor, instead of just being like, oh, you win some, you lose some," is like, "I'ma get this." B. so. In an incredible episode of the practice, Eleanor decides she cannot abide. By what has just mm, transpired. Okay. Okay. It's one I'm, thing to lose, but it mm-hmm. is another thing to be mocked and to be lied to and to be okay, used right. as I'm a interested. pawn. Used as a pawn in a, a blatant murder uh, escape, and so she decides to turn to her roommate and now mm-hmm. ruthless murderer, mm-hmm. Helen Gamble. To uh-huh. which they now break all bounds and rules and plot. A, a, an incredible uh, Rube Goldberg-type trap in order to entrap uh awesome guest star actress whose name escapes me. Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen uh, to confess and be tried for murder, but unfortunately, somehow, it leads to now the death of her Ooh. husband, other incredible actor,
0: Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker. Okay, so, all right. So, Helen and Eleanor conspired to kill Keith. That sounds about right. Yeah, not just conspire, but Rube Goldberg type. Oh, okay, trap. like a like a, a murder heist. Yes, exactly. Heisting that. your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I like it. Well, if you're still listening, why? But uh, <laughs> now is your chance... <laughs> Do hop over to your podcasting service of choice and listen to us watch The Practice, Season 6, Episode 2, Killing Time. Season 6, Episode 2, Killing Time. Oh, Virginia Madsen's back already. Jimmy, those glasses, buddy. He looks like a 70s mobster.
9: If this is what I think it's about, I'm happy to have the discussion here instead of my home.
0: We can go back like Jeremy.
3: So Eleanor called her in. Apparently, Lucy's like, "What the f?"
8: I won't presume to know the anger you must feel toward your husband. Wise choice. He's in prison for a murder he didn't commit. Can you really live with that? Was that your concern?
9: How I'm holding up? Oh, if he was I guilty. If negotiate
8: a favorable deal with the
9: district attorney. Yeah, no. he took a plea deal, remember? Marcia, That's right, Eleanor, the plea deal. I told you what I told you under the seal of attorney-client. I know this, but- Then let me tell you something you may not know. If you reveal my confidence, I will sue you. And this firm.
0: Man, She's not messing Do you around. I really
9: think
8: I'm afraid of being sued, Marsha. Marsha,
0: Marsha. Keith's joke.
8: Keith
9: can accept it this way. Why can't
0: you? Keith's joke. You? Keith's joke.
9: Because I can't. Okay, so far I'm doing good. If you pull that switch, Eleanor, at least have the presence of mind to enjoy it because it will be your very last act as a practicing attorney. Oh, I'm gonna enjoy it. <laughs>
0: Okay, right. well, you know your pitch is working pretty well so far. So is my volume knob, apparently. Yeah, Great. well, you know, this is your chance to notice uh, Ron Livingston in the credits for the first time.
3: Yeah, Ronnie, how's that? Um, how's that sync, freak Keith? Any better? That's fine.
0: So that's a no. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's good. I yeah. I you know I'm I'm just staring at the video of myself the whole time.
3: Oh yeah, that's true. you got to get that quaff going, that center part, baby.
0: <laughs> my, I know, Jillian was trying to talk me into like, why don't you try a side part for the first time since 1991? No.
3: I can only hope that somewhere, some, sometime, somebody, Leanne Wright's founding sponsor, goes as Keith from the Out of Practice podcast ah! for, ha- for
0: Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flipping the hair, flipping the hair. What time? I'm Eating far too much.
9: Right after you left.
0: Did she say what she wanted?
9: No. She and Eleanor went to the conference. Welcome back the books, to the show, Marla Sokoloff.
0: And that giant star brooch. <laughs> hey. Holy um, shit. Guy that just walked into the
3: office. Guy that I know I know, and we might have seen him before on the practice.
0: He definitely looks familiar. He's hugging Bobby, so we know we know him. Oh. Well, we don't. He hasn't been on the practice before, but he's been on a whole bunch of other things. His name is Ron Silver.
3: Oh, uh, wait, it I is, know what? Hold on. It's uh it's West Wing.
0: Of course it is, of course it is. He was on the West Wing, he was also on in the arrival, Time Cop, Reversal of Fortune, Skin, Veronica's Closet, Rhoda, and the Stockard Channing Show. Also of uh, West Wing fame. Ron Silver. Here Not he is. Right, Ronnie.
7: You. Great, great,
4: great. Everybody, this is uh well, I know who you are. John Mockner, this is Rebecca Washington, Jimmy Berluti, Lucy Hatcher, Eugene Young. To
6: what do I owe this? Want to engage your services, actually.
3: Uh, we'd like to personally thank the Dylan McDermott for listening to us last week. He was looking a little shaggy, and so he got it cleaned up for this episode.
0: Yeah, still hasn't done the center part, though.
6: I have a client scheduled for execution on Thursday. He wants me to be with him in Indiana, which means I need local counsel up here, Rule forty-eight. Actually, I start trial on Friday. Bobby,
0: this really is over the year. Not do. under the year, though. I just need to so start record, yep. just in case.
10: Me. Me.
4: I think Rebecca might be interested. Okay, excellent.
6: Give me 10 minutes, I'll bring you up to speed.
10: We can meet in the conference room. She was very eager.
0: Well, he's a famous uh, lawyer, John Mockler.
3: Okay, that makes more sense. For a second, I thought she just like was really eager to be in a death uh, carryout
0: the death sentence. <laughs> death, I'm really eager to be in a death carry out. <laughs> <laughs> is that like takeout for death? Uh-huh. Yeah. great right, I, I usually I usually try to get it he delivered, but it for death penalty appeals, sometimes I have to carry he it out. He stayed
1: more executions than everybody else combined.
3: Exposition starring Jimmy,
1: Vivian.
3: Oh, another old friend,
0: hey, Eugene. Second person who's not an old friend, but Mike thinks is an old friend.
3: Well, somebody that Eugene clearly knows and is, uh, well, I'd say happy to see, but now looking at his face, uh, less than happy to see? Yes,
0: indeed. It is Gloria Gifford from Spinal Tap, Halloween 2, 48 hours, and life goes on. Bro.
5: Well, Leonard sent me to tell you that uh, he doesn't want you for the parole hearing.
1: What do you mean he doesn't want me?
5: He doesn't want you.
1: Or did he hire somebody else? No.
5: He says he just wants to represent himself this time. You know how he gets.
6: Yeah, Leonard. Let's go.
3: Always flying off the handle.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All federal executions are in Indiana. Jurisdiction of the case this though guy's is great. still in Boston, which is why I need local counsel should there be any last minute appeals, which there won't be. Walter's way at least
0: he's not wearing his page boy haircut what did he do? that was disturbing killed
6: a federal employee wasn't very pretty but that was then today he's a different man and he's ready to die
10: he wants to die
6: he wants closure
10: I was I was hoping I'd, I'd get to do something can, can I meet him what if he changes his mind and suddenly does want me to file an appeal? It would help for me to be able to represent to the court that I know him a little.
6: Okay, good point. Wanna come, come with me now?
10: Oh, sure. well let's go. He
3: wants to die.
6: He That's very
0: starting with the guy. Hold it right there. So on the credit we just saw on the screen, uh, It looked like Richard Blake and Rob Shapiro are also credited on the episode, but they're not credited as writers on IMDb. Hmm.
3: So if you're listening, uh, we'd like to take credit for you getting those residuals you haven't been getting.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Get those residuals. We only take
3: a 10% cut of uh, what we like to call residual lost and found, which is a new business we've just started.
0: Ooh, that, that actually would be a great business.
3: Yeah, we'd have to automate it somehow. If you're a developer and you'd like to work on Residuals Lost and Found with Keith and Mike, uh, get a hold of us, Out of practice Podcast at gmail.com. There it is. She
8: shot him. But she prefaced it with client to attorney. And I know ordinarily it has to be sealed. But since we represent Keith as well, and this
4: could help him. This is why we should have never represented both of them. That's something you don't Ooh. need
8: to tell me. The
4: An question tie is, what do we do? I don't think there's anything we can do. So, the congressman Well, if it's just the beginning just of a whole strip tease. And let an
8: innocent man try to scene. convince
4: her to come forward.
8: Oh Keith yes, she didn't exactly waver in her response. Thirsty.
4: Keith knows she did it, <clears throat> and he's taking the fall.
8: That's another story, but yes.
4: Have her come in again and see how well she plays poker.
8: Bobby, she doesn't really scare.
4: Have
2: her come in. She really doesn't. You're taking it personal. It isn't personal. Oh my
0: goodness, guys! That's
1: right.
2: This
0: incredible guest cast keeps getting bigger. Guy who could be a garbage man, but
3: is going to definitely help you with your college football career, Keith.
0: Guys, it's Charles S. Dutton, a Golden Globe nominee for the Piano Lesson. He is a three-time Emmy winner, five-time Emmy nominated. He was in Alien 3, Gothica, A Time to Kill, Legion, Longmire, and Rock. Charles S. Dutton has just arrived on the practice. And Rudy. And Rudy.
3: God damn it.
0: I have I've never seen Rudy.
3: Wait a second.
0: <laughs> I know everybody says that.
3: You, we actually had a You need to promise me and the and thousands of
0: people listening at home that you will watch Rudy, goddammit. We for for the last 10 years have had an unwrapped DVD of Rudy in the house. It's even unwrapped, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> it's, it's no, it's still wrapped. It's still oh. it's still is <laughs> on, plastic. At least on promise to unwrap it, Keith. <laughs> I promise to take it out of the cellophane. Good God, you've never seen Rudy? No, I don't like sports movies. Keith, watch Rudy. Sean <sighs> Astin. I know. I love Sean Astin. I know. It's so
3: good. You have to watch Rudy. And you know what? Actually, if if nothing for nothing more than the score, the score to Rudy is absolutely stunning.
0: I cry enough already,
3: Keith. I need your verbal commitment that you're going to watch Rudy. I will watch Rudy before I die. <laughs> please, okay, audience, write in, please. I'm counting on you. At least one, Keith. If we at least get one full fledged email urging you to watch Rudy, will you listen to the audience, if not me?
0: I will listen to that email. I will read the whole email. I will read it aloud. I will hear the whole thing.
3: If at least five of you, five, <laughs> write in, I will assure you. Do we, we will even put have a, five listeners? We will have a bonus episode where
1: Keith <laughs> will review Rudy. <laughs> Keith's. You can't win this without an attorney, This isn't about winning,
2: Eugene. The parole board, they just look at the man now. I don't need a lawyer for that. Lawyers sometimes can obstruct the view. So this is about punishing
1: me. It is personal. I know you did the best you could. I know that. You also know that I paid for half of the investigation with my own money. So you don't feel entitled to tell me you're angry. Instead, you just dismiss me with this passive aggressive. Damn! Hey, I want to fire Your you, wife to say don't. You're come. fired. Then okay.
0: Oh, already great. Already a great scene. If that's the way you want to hear it, hear it that way. I mean, talk about way. two fucking powerhouses.
2: Oh,
3: John Favreau's also in *Rudy*. You should
2: know. I figured. The only chance. To convince the board to let me go is to go in there and put myself before them without the shield of Without the advice. Oh, because Eugene. you know what my advice right, will be. Enough. enough! Shut it down!
0: I don't know who I'd take in
1: a fight. No. What message do you plan to be bringing, Leonard? I'm innocent.
3: But can you just imagine being a director? And, you know, it's 3.30 in the afternoon and you, you roll up to the next location and it's, you get to work for an hour or two with these two on, on a scene. On this scene? Oh, man.
0: On, like, a, oh, my God. Well, and, and like, they're both so good. It was like, all right, do the scene at a five. Do the scene at a seven. And, like, you could say do the scene at a ten, but both of these actors go up to, like, a 19. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, he was so good in Alien 3. Same
2: message as my trial. Man, if he, was, if he was only a movie that I loved that he was so great in.
1: That a- I'm innocent. You will lose. Now, if it seems like I'm taking this personally, it's because I know you're innocent, and I know I'm the lawyer who lost this.
3: Yeah, we always pick, pick you, Eugene.
1: You're who I want. I've done my homework on the board. Let me do this with you, Leonard. you got a wife out there, man. Who Turns son down, who Eugene. wants his dad to come home. Let me help you.
0: I had a parking ticket. I'd want Eugene. Okay, so Rebecca and Ron Silver are going in to meet the guy in death row.
7: Didn't you explain it to her?
0: I'll no, explain sure. who you are. <laughs> Yet another guest star.
3: I'm sorry I'm taking notes job, for Hypkoopsie.
0: <laughs> this is Steve Railsbeck, back Railsback as Walter Dawson, who interestingly has made a career out of playing uh crazy psycho killers. He was Ed Gein in Ed Gein, the movie about that serial killer. He was also, he played Charles Manson in the Helter Skelter miniseries back in the day. So he's played two very prominent serial killers. He was also in one of, speaking of movies that are, uh, I don't know if it's underrated because I don't know if it's good, but it is one of the most entertaining movies you will ever see in your life. A movie called Life Force. Have you seen Life Force? I've
3: not, no. I'll watch it if you watch Rudy
0: okay I'll do that deal we should do it we should do like a, a double header because life force you're gonna like it I feel like it's you're about getting the, you are definitely getting the better end of this deal key it's about space alien vampires okay and like the apocalypse and like that lady who walks around the town like full ass naked for like 45 minutes um,
3: you're, you're wet my beak <laughs> <laughs>
0: to cut that part, but then you you made it so much worse. (laughs) Now it has to stay. Now it has to stay. Okay. Guys, Life Force. It's It's a canon film. You're going to love it.
3: Side note, Ed Gein, Gein, Keith, uh, was the serial killer that was loosely, they loosely based the main killer in Silence of the Lamb off of.
0: That's right, as well as uh, Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw
7: Massacre. I'm full of hope now. I've never been so hopeful in my life.
3: So, Rebecca just had to meet him.
7: Who I was when I committed that crime and who I am now two very different people. So,
3: already I can suspect through TV tropism that mm-hmm. uh, based on how sure that uh, guest star wanted assured us that he wanted to die now we're gonna have a a, we're gonna find out that rebecca that he really wants to live and rebecca's gonna believe his story that he's turned around and she's gonna fight to stay the execution against the better she's gonna have to go up against super super lawyer that's my feeling at least that's the episode Mm -hmm. i want to see keith
0: in my new pitch. okay all right well there it is it's season of uh big pitches i guess that
10: makes (laughs) me curious as to why the person you are now wishes to be executed
7: Do you know the atrocity of my crime? I stabbed a woman 78 times.
0: He does look like Manson.
7: I studied this. Bible, I'm guessing. I I was trying to find a way to forgive myself, and then I saw the truth. Forgiveness is somebody else's job and he's already done it. He washed me clean the minute I sincerely repented.
10: When you pray, do you tell God what you want? Or do you ask him what he wants? God doesn't forgive you so you can die happy. I think he he washes you clean so you can start over, so you can learn and and struggle and do his work. Walter, you could live another 40 years. And how much good could you do in here in that time? How many people could you help? How many souls could you save? Maybe you could start some ministries. Walter. Have you ever thought of that?
0: The scene is given more poignance, knowing of her religious backgrounds Just, now as a Jehovah's Witness.
3: Follow- you took it out of my mouth. Uh, ha! Exactly, take that. Exactly what I was going to say is that we don't have to like we don't. We had a whole episode where she and she's never addressed it. Right? It's always been spoken of about her. Uh, And and there was a whole episode about them arguing about what her beliefs were. The deliverer
0: of Tom Brady's baby, CCH Pounder.
3: Yeah, but we now have in one succinct little scene, a couple lines of dialogue, a pretty damn good encapsulation of what her sort of moral center is. And not only did the scene accomplish that, but it was also a slap in the face and a reminder, oh, hey, everybody, just so you know. Lisa Gay Effing Hamilton is on this show, and she's an incredible actress. And y- you were sleeping on her because she's been kind of quiet the past few weeks or season. And but uh, she oh, yeah. wasn't getting blowed up. Yeah, our cup runneth over with effing talent. <clears throat> Agreed, sir. Agreed. Keith, we now segue into a prison scene.
10: Well, an emergency here on oh, no. the first outside. He seemed like he might change his mind.
6: Rebecca, let me ask you a question. Do you think you helped in there? First of all, there aren't any more issues. We've exhausted them.
10: There's always something.
6: No, no, there's not gonna be a stay of execution. No commutation. All you succeeded in doing just now is agitating him. So instead of dying with uh, with any sense of closure or feeling at peace with God, he might now feel his death won't be satisfactory penance. So, the one thing he had left to cling to—you perhaps just stripped him of. It's not a cause, Rebecca. He's a human being who will die on Thursday. Perhaps a little more painfully now.
0: The alternate
1: side, well articulated,
3: mm-hmm. calmly.
1: Interesting. The prisoner's role officer will testify for you. Uh, he supports your release. Well, you'd think that should be the end of it. We wish. Uh, the board is made up of four prosecutors, a retired police lieutenant, a probation officer, and an advocate for victims' rights. Stacked. That's okay. seems like an injustice in itself. Let's turn to it. You know what I'm going to say. And you know what I'm gonna say when you do. If you do not take responsibility no, for the, the crime, they will I never let you out. I will not say if that I committed play their game, that crime. They won't even adjourn before anybody. they vote. And I won't say, go to hell. You arrogant son of a bitch. You wanna be proud? You got a kid at home without a get father. Out of here. How proud is that? Hey, God! Get him out of here! Hey, stay the hell away. This is get Lord Klein. Don't God come near us. Here. I'm not leaving.
0: Can they do a play together? You have to. I, I'd pay 150 bucks to see them do a play.
1: They do not let people out of here unless I'm not they have remorse. <laughs> that was the, the best I could, Sorry I could do. Mike's neighbors. I, I, I think I hurt myself. That's <laughs> the only way.
8: And we need to inform you of our decision.
4: After very careful consideration. We've decided to risk sanctions from the Massachusetts bar, and we're going to reveal your privileged communication to Ms. Frutt. We feel the sanctity of the attorney-client privilege is simply outweighed by the injustice caused to your husband. Add to that, as officers of the court, we feel we have an obligation to disclose that an innocent man is serving a prison term for a crime he didn't commit. Now, we have two choices. We can go forward with you here or without. Going with you, we feel we're in a better position to protect you. We may even be able to negotiate a reduced plea given our relationship with a district attorney. Obviously, it's best for you to join hands with us here.
9: I completely agree with you. With a few small exceptions. First, if you reveal a privilege, particularly this one, you don't simply risk sanctions. You'd be disbarred. Second, by doing so, you perhaps unwittingly shield me from any prosecution, since Eleanor won't be permitted to testify, and the DA would never be able to build a case independent of the poisonous fruit. To borrow a phrase you are fond of. Third, the DA got a conviction for this crime. Good luck getting her to reconsider it. Fourth, I simply don't know what Eleanor is talking about. She must have misunderstood something I said. And fifth, Could you all go somewhere and respectively (laughs) self-fornicate?
0: Woo! She had that locked and loaded.
10: I understand I may have perhaps riled you up. That was not my intent.
7: I understand that.
10: I was only trying to convey... Walter, if you in your mind were choosing death to serve God, it's possible to serve God with your life's work as well.
7: I think it's best if I accept my punishment. Okay. I do thank you.
0: Well. It's a bit of a repeated beat there.
7: Mm-hmm.
10: It was nice to meet you.
3: I actually felt that way about Eugene and...
7: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's nice to have you who believe in, in the Lord. I owe my salvation to Mr. Mockler. It's like you I presented
3: the ingredients of the sandwich. They look delicious, so let's make the sandwich. We
10: you don't need do to keep looking at the ingredients.
7: Why? He opened my heart to Jesus.
10: John Mockler did? Of course. Did John Mockler persuade you to sacrifice your life for Jesus?
7: He persuaded me to serve Jesus. To embrace oh. him. Up oh, boy.
10: And you're serving him by dying?
7: By accepting the punishment for my sins.
0: This just got a lot more interesting.
1: Let's just start. Can I begin? Because I don't think there's anything to talk about. We can't break privilege.
8: It's not that simple. I think it is. Privilege exists to protect the client. Here we have competing client interests. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It's not absolute, and there are exceptions. But this doesn't qualify as one of them.
4: I'm just as pissed off as you are, Eleanor.
8: Well, obviously you're not.
4: I'm sorry. Everything she said is true. We'd face disbarment. It wouldn't do any good. Plus, what you didn't say is, we're in the business of keeping client secrets no matter what.
1: There is one other way. Go to Keith. He can still blow that whistle here.
0: He signed a two-episode deal.
1: <laughs> can
8: I tell him what she told us?
1: I mean, he's is never that violating watched privilege? Rudy, so I don't think so. I don't so. know if we can And it. even if it does, it's <laughs> nothing that she can make a meal out of. Would you be okay with me going to Keith?
3: He already knows her i think we can live with that
10: he didn't exhaust all the appeals what john mockler
3: keith you know when attempting to compose a haiku with limited resources mm-hmm. three full yes. case three full cases makes it very difficult
0: <laughs> three full cases now <laughs> mike wishes There's he had done this
10: Dawson, and mike quits haiku others. game What others? <laughs> Penalty <laughs> clients who suddenly found God and decide to waive last that name was appeals. Strikingly John close, them <laughs> all find God. He's helping the state kill his clients.
3: Wow, they really went for the uh, the dramatic score there.
6: Is this why you want them to see me?
4: You do seem to have a high percentage of clients who find God
10: right before they die.
6: When was the last time you faced death, Rebecca? It can make you turn to spirituality, believe it or not.
10: You said you exhausted all...
6: As a
3: matter of fact, I faced death and spirituality in a court case slash uh, uh, sweeps week
0: death gambit <laughs> not long ago. That's right, which I had no lines in, but CCH Pounder talked a lot.
3: Mm-hmm. Delivered a baby of Tom Brady, but that's a different story entirely.
10: Mm. Of Walter Dawson's appeals.
0: You and we've now
6: brought up twice in this episode Keith, to I highlight on? it did win. He was
10: diagnosed season... with fetal alcohol it did. syndrome. Oopsie.
6: That was raised at trial
10: for diminished capacity. It should have been raised again for sentencing.
6: I don't think it would have had any effect. And I come down against drafting kitchen sink appeals. You only lose credibility.
10: You had another client, Larry Wilcox. You chose to raise FAS in his defense.
6: I thought it was more persuasive there.
10: How come you didn't try it?
6: Because I didn't think it would fly. And my client, by the way, instructed me to drop all further appeals.
10: After you helped him find God.
6: Rebecca, he's gonna die. What do you suggest they do? Hand him a copy of Chicken Soup for the Soul? All right. Now, I pursue all viable appeals. And sometimes, I even win them, if you bothered to check up on that.
3: I will say, Keith, that of... That thus far, at least this far in the episode, which is nearly halfway there, I'm... I see where I see your point, and I see what the episode's trying to say, but I'm I'm still sub convinced.
6: Okay, interesting. But when there's nothing left when there is nothing left.
3: It does seem to be exhausting. To give appeals. some first.
6: consolation. If they feel they're getting some kind of salvation, it helps. I have been there, Rebecca. I've seen it. It helps.
0: Well fancy bossman! Uh, Full resolution. A long Hero.
2: time since I had on a coat and tie. <laughs> you look good, Dad.
1: You think so?
3: Do we know the details the of this case goes at all? Up
1: first, he's with us. But remember, the board doesn't. No, figure to other be than he was convicted you of murder. Can't let them antagonize you. You want to say that again? You want to give me some sign you get it?
5: He gets it, Eugene. He's ready to do what's necessary. Baby,
2: All I've had these last 12 years is my word and the truth. If I say I killed that man... It's your
5: only chance to get out.
2: There's been a lot of people supporting me, Vivian. Raising money to pay his bills. People going to the bank on my being innocent. What do I say to them?
5: They all know this is part of the game, Leonard.
2: Me lying. I gotta go and lie to get redemption. That's the game.
5: Dad, just get yourself out. Come home.
0: I mean, I really like, as we, i talked about a lot, The episodes that point out some sort of injustice in the system Mm -hmm. and that you really can't get parole without admitting you did it, which means if you didn't do it, you're fucked.
4: Oh, Rebecca's on a mission, baby. There's more. Rebecca.
10: You might believe him, but I don't.
4: There is nobody who's done more to fight the death penalty than John Mockler.
0: Bobby. We have to keep saying his first and last name? Mike and why would you ask that? (laughs) What are you talking about? Dylan Baker's back. I know.
8: Marcia discovered you in bed with McNown. She killed him. I know it all. How can you be willing to serve a sentence for a crime she committed? My God. Do you think being gay is worse for your image than being thought of as a murderer?
2: I don't know what you're talking about.
8: Marcia told me to keep me from going after Allison.
7: She is lying! To punish me for killing her lover.
8: Oh, she's seeking to punish you by confessing to me she's a murderer. That really makes sense. (laughs) Keith, I'm one of your oldest friends.
3: That's true, Cameron Mannheim. I
8: am not gonna love you any less because you are gay. For God's sake.
2: Do you know the letters I get? They think I'm a hero. Good for you, they say. I would have blasted him too. I'm a folk hero, Eleanor. And when I get out, my constituency will still be there. Michael Dukakis, his career died when he reacted with dispassion at the idea of his wife being attacked. Good for you, they say to me.
0: You shot the first. All right. What so hold wouldn't? on. We have to do a new segment that is Mike Keith has 30
3: has seconds to remember what to explain
0: happened the that, show. uh 32-year-old political reference to Michael Dukakis. Michael Dukakis uh was taken out, was the presidential nominee in 1990 1988 against George H.W. Bush. Uh his campaign was sort of taken out by two things. One was a a uh, horrible attack ad, a will referred to as the Willie Horton ad, talking about uh, a criminal named Willie Horton who was taken out on furlough, who then murdered a bunch of people, making Dukakis look soft on crime, that followed up by, in the presidential debate, Dukakis was asked the question, based on the Willie Horton ad, if somebody had raped and murdered your wife, uh, what would you do? And Dukakis gave a very reasonable answer, which is what would due process. We go to trial, blah, 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 blah. But the audience wanted him to say, I would cut his, cut him into a thousand tiny pieces, but that's why I shouldn't be on the jury in a case like this. Uh, and that pretty much tanked his career as well as speaking of tanks, riding around in a tank, looking like a little Muppet with a big army hat on. I don't know why I know all of that off the top of my head. I just am that nerd. And that uh, was perfectly within the 30
3: second time frame. It was not. Nor did I have anything to say during
0: that. (laughs) I voted for Dukakis in my third grade election. With the deal. And as your client.
3: I actually remember going to the polls because they were being held at Cayley Road Elementary School um, with my mom. uh, And she told me she voted for him. So that was, uh, I remember. That being, Keith, interesting you say that you voted for him, that being the first political awareness I had about anything. Only that mom said we have to go to said place in order to vote for said
1: what, person. Well, that, that
0: makes sense because the 84 election, we would have been four. So I don't know if I was like, Geraldine Ferraro! But <laughs> but if anyone would have, but if it anyone, would have been you. If there was a four-year-old in the I world, it would
2: have been me. Let this be. <laughs> Will carry out my wish,
4: Eleanor. I tell inmates.
3: It's interesting because this this episode we have two cases, well, three really. Yeah. Where the the clients are all f- fighting for for different resolutions or outcomes than the attorneys representing them.
0: You know, they That's all, true, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of client-attorney conflict. Good point. Use the time in here.
4: Don't let it use you. And how has Leonard Marshall used his time? Well, he's improved his education. When he For first came to us, he had Randy anger issues. Randy Merzinski? Now he teaches the anger management course. A lot of the inmates and even some of the guards, they look up to him.
5: I'm saying in the file last month they found a syringe in his cell.
4: I think that syringe was planted. When a man gets a parole hearing date, the first thing I tell him is check under your mattress and make sure nobody frames you by planting a knife or drugs. If Leonard Marshall is released, does he pose any threat? Not in my opinion. How can you be sure? Well, men his age have low recidivism rates, especially when they have a support network on the outside.
3: How many syllables is recidivism? I don't know. That Recidivism. That's five. Yeah, it's too much. Presidivism.
0: Uh, that could just be your last He's line. He's got that support <laughs> from his Mike's wife Mike's confused and... about
5: correct this stupid me, me episode, if I'm too wrong, many. Presidivism. men in prison today committed felony crimes while on parole.
6: Well. Again,
5: correct me if I'm wrong, but in 1991, 13,000 people were murdered in this country by criminals on parole or probation.
1: Is the chairwoman introducing evidence?
5: Mr. Young, this is not a court of law. The rules of evidence do not apply.
1: I realize that,
0: but also,
5: there's no reason to object. No appellate court reviews our decisions.
0: And while we're doing it, let's introduce Chairwoman of the parole board! (laughs) Full talent, Mike. (laughs) Well, that voice uh, is probably familiar to you because it's L. Scott Caldwell from The Fugitive, Dragonfly, The Net, uh, my sister-in-law Elisa's favorite movie, The Net, and uh, All Rise, How to Get Away with Murder, and we all know
6: her from Lost. There it is. I don't have time for this. Mike has nothing to say. I'm on a plane to Indiana within the hour.
4: Things seem to be a little coincidental. Your most heinous clients seem to find God and waive all their appeals. The ones who might be innocent, you push their cases to the end.
6: And you think that's coincidental? That the evil would be more predisposed to seek redemption? You're deciding who lives and who dies, John.
4: The ones you choose not to fight for, you steer them to find religion. You're
6: conducting some kind of mad triage with your clients. Now, what's mad is that suggestion.
10: I called a lot of the families. You, influence death row inmates to waive appeals, to seek salvation.
6: I'm not listening to this.
4: I used to respect you.
10: All this time, I thought you were this big champion against the death penalty, and look at what you are.
6: Do you know when you file for a stay of execution with the Supreme Court, you're lucky if one of the clerks even skims your brief? Know why that is? because every attorney for every death row inmate files, claiming his case is special. And eventually all of them, all of them, even the legitimate ones, fall on deaf ears. Now I'll tell you what the problem is, Rebecca. Defense attorneys have no credibility anymore. They pay attention when I call, because they don't waste their time. There is a reason I've gotten more stays than any other lawyer.
10: So you weed out the good cases from the bad and sacrifice people like Walter Dawson.
6: I did everything I could for Walter. And I will be at his side tonight.
3: I mean, you know, that's a, yeah, go ahead. Bye-bye. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if, look the religion and your religious beliefs will complicate this conversation right so let's take it from a very from well Keith as an atheist right it's it's very cut and dry he's stating with with the receipts to back it up if we're looking at this from like an MVL standpoint like from lawyerhood right if you look at the ratio and the majority of these the uh, s- Supreme Court stay cases are, uh, rejected because of the sheer volume, and he is. Right. And his strategy is that I don't waste their time. I only come at them with ones that are that that really fit within the the scope that they they can potentially, uh, actually stay the educate stay stay the execution. And he has the receipts, meaning that his success rate is higher than anyone else because his strategy seems to work. That to me, it seems less like he's playing God and like he's playing the system in order to help the clients that he can.
0: Well. Yes, in in the sort of the like cold pragmatic element of that, yes, he he do, he is able to do that. However, he has taken an oath to zealously defend his client no matter what, and he's the the part that the part that he's playing God is in choosing not to zealously defend certain clients and zealously defending other clients. The solution if he doesn't believe in his client or believe he, his client has a chance is to not take the case or to pass that client on to a different lawyer who will zealously defend them yeah. and and the what he's doing is the selfish move and that is building up his credibility by sacrificing clients because if he wanted because it's not just enough to only bring forth credible cases. Mm-hmm. He needs to burnish his credibility by, look at me tossing these people out and not bothering you about these other things that I, I have in my possession, but I'm not going to bring to you. And I'm going to use that as a bargaining chip for these others, as opposed to just, if I don't think I have a chance, if I don't believe in the client, let me give you to another lawyer. And, and so that's that's the part that he's being shitty.
3: how many syllables is that's the part where he's being shitty
0: that's the part where he's being shitty that's that's nine years
8: finding out it was leonard who did it was almost as painful as losing jack we were all friends at least i thought we were
0: how do you feel about granny the lady who is the wife of the victim
3: I can't think because that was so loud, it scared the living shit out of me.
0: <laughs> that is Jane Tiny from Station 19, Ray Donovan, Avenue 43, and David E. Kelly's short-lived The Brotherhood of Poland, New Hampshire. I smell a crossover. this man. I'm a Christian
8: woman, so forgiving people is something I have to try to do. It what took me religious, a long time, but I did forgive Leonard. Mm -hmm. And I pray for him.
7: You've heard the testimony about the prisoner's exemplary behavior over many years.
5: Sounds like the Leonard Marshall I used to know. Are you saying you support parole for your husband's killer, Mrs. Horan? I don't believe in an eye for an eye.
8: But I wouldn't want another family to be destroyed like mine was. So I pray that you keep him in prison for as long as he lives.
3: Thank wow. you. Okay, that was uh,
5: to the point. We'll take a fifteen-minute break and then we'll hear from Mr. Marshall. Well, we've
0: got three stories. You got to kind of get to the point.
3: What a great way to talk out of both sides your mouth. To I you. totally forgive him, but let his ass rot
2: in prison. I don't think I can say, it, Eugene. Mm-hmm. I cannot say
1: I'm guilty. If you don't learn, you will spend the rest of your life in prison.
0: I mean, what's he gonna do?
3: That's just an impossible. It's just an impossible. I swore I can't, to I, my I, wife and there son. are so many things, you know, even especially as an actor. You know, it's funny. I had this conversation yesterday with my family about how, you know, there are certain things that people are like, "Well, how can you bring any truth to that? Like a, a psychopathic murderer. Like how could you find any truth in that?" And we had a whole conversation about like what we really are to do. Like we can't always embody the full psyche of a character, at least in my experience. Anyway, what, it's one of those situations I that I. I find so impossible to comprehend is the exact one he finds himself in, right? Being faced with prison, which is like a huge fear of mine, it's just a, such a scary thought. But, but if you're trapped in a circumstance where like you, you have to decide between admitting something you didn't do or going to prison or something like that, it's just such an, it's so hard to empathize with it because it's so hard to comprehend what that would
0: actually be. It's and it is a situation in which, if you have been wrong wrongfully convicted, you're compounding the injustice by putting somebody in this position, and and to actually bring it together with your uh, talk about religious over, overtones here, if you if you think about it, the biblical version of this was Peter's denial of Christ. Yeah. And where he, for, for his own safety, so as not to go to prison, he had to deny Christ, and he was in the position, and he he did he did lie in order to protect himself. Uh, here I am with biblical references of all things. But like, it's it's fascinating the so many layers of injustice in this case.
3: Yeah, well, how about the, Judah, the whole Judah story too, right? It's like, hey, you're one of my closest people. You're my best friend, but you're going to be the one who's going to sell me down the river. And it's like, and then, and then you're faced with the, you know, the 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 Pharisees who come and they're like, "Okay, where's he at?" And you're like, "Well, I don't want to give him up, but aren't I supposed
0: to?" That's a whole, right? I've, I've been told this is part of the great cosmic plan, and I've I'm being sacrificed with this. Yeah, it's interesting. Join us next week for Keith and Mike talk as authorities on religion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're the, authorities on everything else in a new podcast yeah, called "Prison Make Me Hard or Break Me."
3: I don't know. I don't have a name for it.
2: And if it wasn't for them, sacrilege. (sighs) I don't know.
3: To hell in a handbasket with. It sounds
5: like you've done better in prison than out. I'm sorry. Well, on the streets, you seem to have had trouble holding a job, and when you got fired from the garage, you got angry and committed murder. Is it possible you do better in a more structured environment?
2: What are your plans if you're released? After what I've been through here, I, I'd like to find a way to this closing time, help Keith? kids stay out of trouble. Almost. Maybe become a counselor or, or a teacher or, or something.
5: At trial, you denied murdering well, Jack Haran, is that correct? Yes. And you continue to deny your guilt throughout the appellate process? Yes. Do you now accept responsibility for your crime? Mr. Marshall, did you not hear my question?
2: I heard the question.
5: Sir, Mrs. Haran is sitting right there. She's been waiting 12 years for you to finally tell the truth. Is that gonna happen today?
3: Oh, shit.
2: Mrs. O'Ran, I know you suffered so much, and I'm sorry.
3: He's not going to do it, Keith. He can't do it.
2: But I did not kill your husband. Mr. Marshall. Taking responsibility means admitting the crime. Even if it's not the truth. Leonard.
5: Mr. Marshall, I will remind you, sir, accountability is a condition for
2: parole. I didn't kill anybody. Leonard, don't. You're telling me to get out of here. I gotta show you I'm a good man. And the only way to do that is to lie. And say I'm a killer. Well, I am not a killer. I am not a killer. Maybe you could have.
5: Are you done? Stated that
3: less emphatically,
2: but
5: I guess that's hard to do.
2: You have to make me say I killed him because otherwise, you have to face the fact that you've got an innocent man sitting in jail for 12 years for something he didn't do. You just want to pretend you only got guilty people in prison.
5: Mr. Marshall, I warn you. You warn
2: me what? That I'm not going to get parole? I was never going to get parole. Not from you. You know, it's a joke. A damn joke. Now I'm done.
0: Ooh. Good lord, what a performance!
10: Yeah. Rule forty-eight says I can make an oral well, and motion I also for an emergency stay.
0: Yeah, you know, in terms second. about like the you you referenced him being emphatic there because there was a shot where he was scaring the victim's wife and, and, you know, understandably on the other hand, like his passion, a is freaking earned (laughs) and he deserves it. And, and like, we, you know, we need to stop telling people to stop feeling passionate about their, (laughs) their, the, the injustices that they have served. But it also like lends such credibility because like you, if you weren't, so I mean like what he's gone through why wouldn't he be and and he's and he's in he's stuck in this this horrible position because he's this big very imposing guy who I'm sure is constantly being told to shut it down be a little be a little less be less intense be less whatever I don't know I and you could see him fighting that as part of the as part of the character choices and the acting choices it's
3: absolutely brilliant in fact
0: astounding performance
3: um it 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 harkens to mind another very similar scene. One of my favorite, just favorite scenes in cinema, is the Morgan Freeman scene in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, in a, where he's in the exact same position, where right? he's an innocent man who's been convicted. Well, no, he he claims he did.
7: He did do it. he's a yeah. guilty
3: man. Uh so it, so the circumstances are different. Uh he's an he's a, he's a guilty man who's been in prison forever, and. He's at a parole hearing, and he basically just does the opposite. Actually, they are they are they are mirror images of one another, right? Yeah. They're the opposite. He where he ad, he admits to it, and he basically makes also makes a mockery of the parole, uh, but he does it so deadpan and so calmly, and just points out all of the injustices and the sort of yeah. joke and sham of the parole hearing. And then the next scene is you know it's it's a hard cut to them stamping the parole form. Yeah, yeah. so. If you haven't, for some reason, seen the Shawshank Redemption, what's wrong with you? But- uh, <laughs> Who hasn't at, seen
0: Shawshank? Yeah,
3: at least, uh, at least YouTube that one scene because it's
0: uh, it's also yeah. brilliant. Yeah, well, thank you Charles. Wants that's to done. be executed.
10: Because he was brainwashed by his lawyer.
0: Are you serious? Your Honor,
4: I really believe it's true. <coughs> I've been a friend of John Mockler's for a long- If John Mockler didn't want to help somebody, why wouldn't he just- declined to take the case. Are you suggesting he took on clients for the purpose of securing their executions? Possibly, yes. Why? Well, he has cases he once heard at the appellate level at the Supreme Court. Because those courts are inundated with so many futile baseless appeals, a lot of deserving cases get thrown out with the bathwater. So I think he takes cases to weed them.
10: If there's anything remotely redeeming about a client, or there's police misconduct, or the guy could possibly be innocent, he goes to the mat. For the scumballs, they all find God and wave final appeals. He is deciding who's entitled to a defense and who's not.
6: On the record
4: before me, Mr. Mockler has committed no malpractice. And there is no evidence of any mental defect on the part of Walter Dawson. Can you stay the execution for a week to at least take a look?
7: No.
0: But he I, won't stay the execution, I but I will innovation. introduce. Who's the judge? Who's the judge? Now, I wouldn't normally uh, reference such a quick little mm-hmm, uh, seg- mm-hmm. segment here. I know where uh, this is going. Judge Keller played by Michael Kagan unless uh, I don't know by any chance did he play Peter Martini in the battlefield?
2: We are not supposed oh, to know no. this, that you've been on the show before but now you get twist the residuals who rhyme in at your door. So welcome
0: back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you
2: Don't fool me. We don't see the judge, you just might be. Welcome, Welcome back, back to the, to the practice, practice today. today!
3: Goddamn, that's satisfying.
7: This, is, this <laughs> is a new one. Is John Mockler behind this?
10: No, he isn't.
1: Declare him incompetent.
8: It's all I can think of. I mean, you should have seen him, Jimmy. He, he sounded almost deranged.
1: But he's still legally competent. Eleanor, we're at a dead end. There's nothing more we can do. Virginia
9: Madsen's back. So you went to see Keith and told him <laughs> what I said to you. Yeah, what you did you think she was going to do? Eleanor, if you go any further with this, I will very much sue you. Count on that.
8: Marsha, sooner or later, you're gonna
9: make a mistake. Well, for now, you'll have to wait until that happens. I will. You
8: can count on that.
0: Are we setting up a part three?
1: The fact is, parole. We are setting is up a It's glad Closing time,
2: time to put your case to bed It's closing time, otherwise you'll
0: cry instead Closing time
1: For the defense, Eugene Young A man convicted of murder wants to be released If you deny that request, nothing happens But if you grant it, there's always a chance he might kill again Nobody needs that pressure. Nobody wants that guilt. Nobody's looking for a public scandal. So, yes, you could give my client a fair hearing, but bottom line, what's in it for you?
5: Are you saying we're corrupt, Mr. Young?
1: I'm saying that (laughs) what we've forgotten somehow is that this is a man, a man who has fought to better himself, a man who has done his time with grace and dignity. A man who deserves to be released, but because there is no political upside, you won't take the time to figure that out. Now, I admit that a lot of these inmates probably should be rejected, but what about the few who shouldn't be? Yes, Leonard Marshall claims to be innocent. And what if he actually is? With new technology, with the use of DNA, we know for a fact that innocent people do get convicted.
5: This is not a forum to retry your client's guilt or innocence.
1: My client wants to go home. He could have lied. He could have come in here and said exactly what you wanted to hear. But instead, he risked everything. The chance to go home with his wife and son because he wouldn't give away the only thing that kept his family sane for the last 12 years, the fact that he is innocent. This may not be the form to prove it, But don't tell me it's not relevant.
3: Yeah, yes. I
1: fucking love you, too. This is Lyndon Marshall's family. (laughs) They were there the day he was taken away, and they are here now asking you to please give him back. Take this chance. Prove that you're motivated by justice, not politics. Prove that you care about people, not publicity. Prove that this board can be feared, but still fair. That's what Leonard Marshall wants. It's what he deserves. Yeah?
2: Thanks. Viv, James, I am. I know you're very angry with me right now, and. uh, But I, uh. I just.
3: She just talked to the hand at him.
0: Mm hmm. Unnecessarily. We're ready. So soon? What does it mean, Keith? (laughs) Jury's back?
5: Six minutes. They always comment on it. Every. Episode for the purposes of this hearing and our decision, we must like that was the most average amount of time as convicted. (laughs) That said, we're faced today with a man who committed murder, who still refuses to accept responsibility for his crime. I have never heard of any parole board granting release under such a circumstance. However, so however Today would be a first. Holy shit. By majority vote. Mr. Leonard Marshall's petition for release.
3: Wow, I did not expect great.
5: that. We are adjourned.
0: Uh, freaking. yeah. Much. You know, I know you're working very hard on your oh seat, but I have an God. important question for you. Okay. Okay, so you're in his shoes. Okay. Right. You have just been released from prison after 12 years. Mm-hmm. What is the first thing you do?
3: You mean like legitimately the first thing, or like once we get out and I'm with my family and like all the papers, no, all, no, like, all the bullshit's well, uh,
0: done. You're no, like you're you're on your way home. I mean, like aside from like seeing your loving family and such, what's the first thing you do?
3: To be honest, it, I'm. This is going to seem very mundane, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two potential answers. I think okay. my guess, you know, like there's the big scene where Tim. I'm going back to Shawshank. Tim Robbins like. <laughs> is just like experiencing the outdoors or whatever and he's just like kissing the ground or whatever. My guess is is twofold. I bet you want to take a goddamn shower in the privacy of your own home. Just like lock yourself in the bathroom. Mm. Just take a shower mm. and a shit. You know what I mean? Just like have a couple That's of a minutes good one. to yeah. yourself. And then you would probably go to the widest, most open park river, waterfall you that is within reach with your family and just be outside.
0: Mm. That's that's so much more thoughtful than what I was thinking of. But <laughs> You're like burger and fries. <laughs> Literally.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know was you thinking. so well.
0: I, <laughs> I know, you motherfucker. <laughs> 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 no, because I, 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 I was thinking about it because now that we're starting to, starting to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID and that kind of stuff. And like, what is the thing that I am looking forward to being able to do and that is literally just sit at a table and have a burger and a beer with my friends. And I was, I was talking to my, my buddy Steve and we are just like, to have a beer that didn't come out of a can,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, just to sit at a table with your friends, eat some fries and like, it's so simple. And yet like I, of all the things that like I, other than like, you know, theater and having a life and an occupation, but it's like, I just really want to do that.
3: Yeah, so you know it's interesting.
0: Uh not I, that I'm comparing quarantine yeah, to prison absolutely. at all.
3: So uh what, a week, two weeks ago, I my Jen and I, so we both have received our first uh shots of the vaccine, and we went to a, a outdoor seating restaurant, and uh there was almost nobody there. So we felt we felt good about it and but, however, even with those two conditions, which are you know pretty, I'd say that we were as far as uh, and it ends up that was two weeks ago and we're, we're good. So it was a think
0: pretty reasonable, yeah.
3: It was a reasonable and we and we did it safely and we are safe. And so, okay, great, good to know on the other side. But still, there's that 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 voice in the back of your head that is worried and is wondering if it was even worthy a, a good enough to a good decision to make and whether. It was a stupid risk and all those, you know, second guessings. so 100%. So so still, like you said, like like you said, it's not just go and eat. It's like, I want to go and eat without, un, that's not under the cloud of like-
0: whatever. Right, yeah, I want to feel, right, I, I don't want to have scared, mixed, guilty feelings about it. Yeah, no, I had, I had a, you know, a meeting with my producers. It's a business meeting. It's an important meeting and and it's you know I, I justified it by like yeah you, know, you go to the doctor this is going to the doctor for your career you have to mm-hmm. so it, it literally just like had a sandwich outdoors mm-hmm. were you with in the city? somebody in the city. Yeah. Went to the city and I was just like racked with anxiety and guilt and shame and yet it was yeah. like everyone else is doing I i I just can't wait to not have to do that math.
3: Yep. And we're a little bit off
0: still but it is I do see I do see the corridor.
3: Anyway let's uh, anyway. back to the uh the release the from prison from being in prison for many years uh, and in a, a very celebratory scene we might as well get back to it
0: we won the
3: <laughs> and in other ca- mockler case we didn't the, they didn't stay the execution right he
0: is going to die that's right I'm still here
10: yeah i didn't feel like going home
4: has it happened yet
10: like any minute i guess i have it on
4: You did all you could. Here it is. ...the sentence of death was carried out upon Walter Dawson. The procedure was initiated at 1209. Death was pronounced at 1223. His final words were to ask forgiveness from the victim's family... ...and from God. That's all.
3: She's so good.
7: That was Warden John Cowser, and now we are switching to attorney John Mockler.
6: Fucking mock- Surely, me. as Walter Dawson committed an act of murder, so did our federal government this night. Our country charges all over the world, declaring itself a champion of human rights. I ask you, from where do we derive our moral integrity? Learned hand, you know, he said, liberty lies in our hearts. And once it dies there, no constitution can save it. I might suggest the same would be true. He's quite the actor, huh?
0: Oh, who's Ron Silver? No, I Jesus. meant Mockler. Mockler. Oh, the, the character and yeah. yes, yes. Well, I think you could, we'll, we'll get into the oopsies, but. Damn, let's, divert, let's also discuss
3: how pimped out Rebecca's corner of the office is now. Look, they've been making money.
0: Yeah, it's true.
3: All right, so we're slow fading to to black here. As I, we got 30 seconds though, because that's it.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's it. Uh, You know, I have something here about how much how much money they might be making. Okay. That uh, that I'll 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 play for you once you make the noises stop. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) How how much money they make? This much.
3: Wife was right. Wife was right. I don't care that my ass is leaking. I'm just going to plug it up with money. Millions and millions. Plug my ass with millions. Millions and millions of dollars in my ass to protect it from that anal leakage the slight caused.
0: You're a bumper now, Mike. Well,
3: that said, we'll see you back to discuss that anal leakage of money in the
0: oopsies. And we are back, baby. We are indeed, folks, we have gotten through Season 6, Episode 2, Killing Time, or Killing Time, depending on your interpretation, and uh, just in case you missed it, we're going to do uh, two segments starring our good friend Mike Deglio, starting with our favorite recap...
3: Mike has thirty seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Oh, baby! So that guy from Rudy's here, and he like <laughs> murdered somebody, but then he didn't. But uh, he didn't want to admit it. So, but guess what? He does like a thing. Morgan Freeman's himself, Shawshank himself, right out of prison. Marsha's there, and she's like, "Yo, you can sue me, bitch!" But uh, too bad, my my husband, he he gay, cheated, and he's still he's gonna stick in prison because he deserves it. And then lastly, Rebecca's like, father, son, holy ghost. You should stay your execution.
0: <laughs> I think you just convicted Charles S. Dutton's character of murder, but he didn't actually do it. <laughs> well, it's up for interpretation. I think I think you missed the point of the episode. Well, that that would not shock anyone. Uh, and speaking of missing the point, it is time for our new favorite segment entitled. This is truly glorious. Let's hear Mike's haiku for this episode. Marsha's suing us? A Rudy parole
3: hearing? Mockler playing God?
0: Yes. Okay. Adding it with a question mark or ending it. I like it. Two question marks. The first one, Marsha's suing us? Wow. Wow. Very uh very and then A very statement, a Rudy
3: parole hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mockler playing God.
0: I like it. Good job. Thanks, buddy. I'm I'm telling you, hi Koopsies. I think it's gonna be a good new segment. It's <laughs> I mean, I think Phoenix is gonna like it better than sports ball.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's probably uh he's probably not wrong
0: about that. Hey, it's the best thing what? ever. What? Yes, you're right. Yes, I'm sorry. But uh not as good. As everyone's favorite award show, Star- that uh, looks like this. Nice. I I forgot words.
3: <laughs> in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present:
8: Oopsie the Oopsies, celebrating
3: excellence in acting, good lawyering, good guesting, good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies?
0: Well, they're a fake award show that we do at the end of every episode that begins with...
4: Most Valuable! Well,
3: I mean, it seems to me that Eugene came in. He Eugene his Eugene, mm-hmm. despite having, and it took some epic battles, epic battles between two mm-hmm. juggernauts of acting and of making their points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, got his client, friend, peer, paroled from a murder sentence without compromising his integrity. And I think that that is a win-win, as we call it in the biz. And so I'm going to say Eugene Young is my most valuable lawyer, even though it wasn't his intention going in to uh, let the guy not admit it. He did advise him to do so, but uh, we got there in the end. We got where we were going. They say.
0: Well, I mean, he he got the desired result, which was get his client out of uh, you know to get his client on parole. Obviously, the most important objective and was tasked with the higher degree of difficulty due to his client's credibility. And uh, he closed it good. I mean, I, I think most of the heavy lifting was done uh, by Charles S. Dutton's character, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Eugene. I mean, if, if, I'm, if I murder somebody, I want Eugene uh, protecting me. If he fails, I still want him at the Pearl hearing. So uh, congratulations, Eugene Young with your M-V-L. Coming up next, everybody stretch. The uh, the dance might be longer than the deliberations, but here we go. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or the first entry on your IMDb. Way
2: to go. But you're the best guest actor on the episode.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I think we all agree that uh, Eugene and uh, Steve Young would have been nothing. Steve Young? Steve Harris? Steve Young,
0: uh, the quarterback of the
3: (laughs) San Francisco 49ers? owes all of his success to the one and only uh,
0: Charles Dutton. Charles S. Dutton, indeed. I mean... I, I think it was a you, know, you had it all ready to go. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I his performance was astounding. Yeah. And and because, you know, in the in the first couple of scenes with Eugene, obviously they're able to just like go at each other like lions. And he has like, he has the physicality and he has the power and the passion. But and and like we know he can do that. And, and, like, it's riveting and amazing, and I'd watch it forever. But it is sort of like, yeah, we get that. But what he showed in the parole hearing during his testimony was all of the vulnerability that he brings to it. And here's where it gets interesting, because it's not just showing vulnerability as opposed to being the lion. He showed vulnerability while being the lion. And so he didn't have that like, rah, 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 rah. Oh, I'm going to have this little moment. and I'm a mm-hmm. single tear. Mm-hmm. He was able to bring all of that vulnerability with all of that passion. And that's really where you're just like, just playing with just the most exciting, it's a fireworks, really because it's, you're, you're playing opposite emotions that are happening at the same time. I, it's amazing. I, like, so good. It's a scene that I'm glad I, w- I watched a second time. Like anybody go back and watch it again. It's just like that's that's where it's at, kids.
3: Look, I don't know where season six is headed, but I do know that even though it's early, it's episode two, in fact, I think we there's a there's a chance we come back to this and think about it when we get to the season end oopsies about best guest star or best guest actor, because uh this one was this was a powerful performance.
0: Yes. Yes, it really was. So uh congratulations, Charles S. Dutton, a man who does not need this award. <laughs> but he's getting it anyway. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I do not need your award, sir. Well, you're getting it. Coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Well, that didn't need a lot of uh
3: Deliberation, but this one might because I think that Mm -hmm. we were gifted, thankfully, uh, two incredible performances from cast members who haven't had a lot to do recently. Uh, Both Steve Harris and Lisa Gay Hamilton gave tour de force performances. Now, I feel like Steve had a little bit more to do as far as just the the script itself. Um, But damn if Lisa Gay didn't have Every scene she was in was articulate, precise, intense when necessary, emotionally f- filled and wrought where necessary. Now, Eugene was at a 16 the whole time. Eugene. Uh, Steve was at a 16 Steve Harris, the whole time. Yeah. yeah. But Lisa Gay really, oh, man, that. And we got to, and we got so much character insight into her through the performance as well. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. just through the writing, but through the performance. It's so hard. I I'm, I'm almost hoping we do a split ski. I, look, I love Steve Harris. I love him. He wins this award so much. But I think I'm going to give the edge this this week to Lisa Gay Hamilton, even though she has has less in the script. I just think her performance. Now, look also, but look, I I, I flip flop because Steve. We don't get the excellent guest performance we got this week if we don't have the Steve Harris bringing his A game to the, those those scenes. So it's tough. I'm going to have you probably hope hope you argue the other way, but I, I I'm just I'm ed- giving the slightest of edges to Lisa G. Hamilton.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I should also backtrack and say Ron Silver was really good. Yes. He would have won in a lot of other cases. Uh, anyway, back to this. You know, I I'm with you on your first instinct. I think it's Lisa K. Hamilton. Um, you know, again, same caveat with Steve. I think he's a fucking rock star mm-hmm. and he was great in this episode. Always is. And it's it's amazing to see him go head-to-head with, with Dutton because, like, it's just riveting and electric. Um, but I really liked... You know, and I, I'm not one to, like, like to criticize <laughs> acting... But we had some guest acting here that wasn't great. <laughs> not from Charles S. Dutton, obviously. Uh and you see, and, and and I'm not even gonna mention who it was, but but you see uh an actor just working a little too hard, indicating a little too much, and like not trusting that we as an audience can follow what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. So, like, I need to like do something with my hand so you can tell what I'm feeling as if. Because, like you it, it, it and and in the case of this, it wasn't that she wasn't doing it, she just didn't trust herself enough that we got it, like we get it. Mm-hmm. And um, what Lisa K. Hamilton brings to it is both the ability to communicate all that she's going through and all of that she's thinking, and and that character is very complex, so there's a lot of things going on there, and but she trusts herself to communicate it and trust the audience, she doesn't need to do. She doesn't need to do anything. Like you you watch her watch at the very, very end, watch the announcement of the execution. She doesn't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. She just needs to like didn't need to like like, oh God, and like throw some throw a chair or whatever. It's just, it's right here. She doesn't need she doesn't need to cry, doesn't need to move. We just see her thinking and feeling. And that is where the really good film acting in particular works. So my vote is is enthusiastically for uh, Lisa K. Hamilton. Okay. So, that's it. Congratulations Lisa K. Hamilton on your oopsie. Another person who does not need our validation, but we're giving it anyway. But you know who does seem to be a bottomless pit of need for validation? Uh, Good friend. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I mean, other than myself, of course.
3: Let's not forget <laughs> last week's O oh, face Tom Brady, which also was uh, the Easter egg, which I forgot to mention on air, was the staple, uh-huh. uh, right? Welcoming in we our subtle way, uh, welcoming Rod Livingston. Well, Ron, that was Ron, the
0: specific red swing line too. Yes,
3: Ron Livingston to the out of practice podcast end to the practice proper. Um, so thank you for that. But Keith, in all of my high coopsy, I've yet to get into the the flow. I wasn't able to uh, give my due consideration to the Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady, and so Mm. that brings us to the rare occasion where, in fact, it only happened twice last season, where I will allow you to uh, dictate the Tom Brady War for being Tom Brady, and I will do the Photoshop.
0: Oh, okay, all right. Well, my first thought, I've already had to veto because we can't kill off Tom Brady again without going to jail, (laughs) <laughs> but speaking of going to jail. Uh okay. Uh, yeah, right? Okay. So, we are uh Okay. So, uh we reference chicken soup for the soul.
3: Okay.
0: Uh in this episode and if you want to check your Easter egg, you might find something related to that. I'm going to a uh Tom Brady on the cover of his self-written self-help book. Okay, Tom Brady
3: on self the cover help. of his self help self book
0: i i say that as i read so many of them myself i could write my own okay of a picture all right i feel better now yeah that that, that wasn't good this this is, we shouldn't switch man i wasn't ready i, know, I, I wasn't ready. I, I
3: was really hoping you would give me something like shawshank tom brady something along those lines since we talked about it so much in the episode but no we no no. Are. no it I, is I, what I want
0: cuz i want you to photoshop a cover of a self help book with Tom Brady, I think that'd be interesting. Sure. Let's, What's it, so it going to look it, like? What's the topic? I want to know what the topic is. Oh, that's a good point. It can be the title can be
3: anything. It doesn't have to. The be The title can be anything. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, that's a little bit more of creative uh, license. So I'm excited about it. Okay, so uh, yes. self help Tom Brady. I guess we can we can bring it down to that.
0: Self help Tom
3: Brady. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, okay, wins the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady this
0: week. Which brings us to. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce. How many spare tires this episode gets? Yeah, I was wondering when you're going to self-help yourself into focus, bud.
3: Yeah, how long have I been out of focus?
0: <laughs> Quite a while. Since the last time you neurotically focused yourself? Uh, well, we got where we were
3: going. So here's uh, relatively in-focus meat. I like this episode. I, You know, we generally prefer the focused one one-episode wonders or one-case wonders. But here we have three full cases, although it's really two. We're sort of just keeping the Keith Ellison uh, case in, in, the, in the background, ready to just revisit it when we've <laughs> run out of other shit to talk about. But it is still compelling, even uh, that uh, the wife might sue us and that uh, crazy senator is so happy with his poll numbers in prison that he's uh, he seems to be giving us the... Uh, the same kind of arc that we had last season with our guest star who held on for five episodes, he's slowly going more crazy. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. I don't mind that it, it that, that they kept it in the foreground here. Uh, the other two cases, like I said, showed a lot of client and uh, lawyer conflict, which I thought was very interesting. And we had some moral quandaries. We learned a little bit about Rebecca uh, and her religious beliefs without being told them which is kind of cool. We got to see her do her incredible lawyering and investigating that she loves to do. And we got to see some great moral questions in the other case. We got to see uh, you know that 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 awesome battle between your integrity and your freedom, which we talked about during the episode if you didn't listen, you should go back and listen. Uh, so all, all the pieces were there and then you add to that some incredible guest acting and then some incredible main cast acting. I don't know what else you could really look as Keith mentioned, there are some nits to pick. There was some really redundant beats here and there, but you know, when you're doing segmented television with, with commercials, sometimes you've got to do that, right? Like sometimes that's just par for the course. So I'm not going to ding it too much. I, I, I think it, it, it's asking for an 8.5 but i'm going to ding it a little bit for those redundancies uh and for being just maybe a little too full uh too much too many ingredients for the for the tasty cake we're trying to make i'm going to give it 8.44 spare tires
0: 8.44 yes yeah i mean I, I i agree with everything like i always do and i do think um you know my first Complaint about this would be it feeling a little overstuffed, mm-hmm. and uh, but I but I think about it like the the Charles S. Dutton story I think was told completely um, because they did not uh, relitigate his case and just said like just he's innocent take our word for it and this is about this other moral dilemma that I don't think that needed to take up more time than it did I think that was So they had to fill out the episode somehow. And it's a weird criticism to say that they filled it out with a second case that was too interesting (laughs) in the sense that, like, I would have liked to have seen that play out over an entire episode as the entire story. Or even that could be an arc that goes on for a couple of episodes. I found that story so interesting so i i don't know like do i ding you for having too good of a story that i would have liked to see more of i mean we did see the beginning middle and end of that story like i i just found it interesting enough to take up more time but it's not like there were missing beats or, or or so you know i i might actually have to just talk myself into not dinging it for having that many stories, I mean, you write the, you know, the the Dylan Baker Virginia Madsen thing. That was just placeholding so that we can remember that story when it comes up next week or the week after. Um, but I, I liked both of these stories, the the, the main stories, uh, both for the same reason. Again, I, I I'm I go Gonzo for the show calling out injustice in some somewhere in the system. At one point or other, the injustice of the parole system, not just making sure, making somebody take responsibility for something they may have not done, Mm -hmm. but also pointing out the makeup of the parole board. They were all law enforcement or victim advocates. There was nobody there. There was no advocate for the parolee there there's the the board is stacked against the parolee right from the very beginning and i understand you should have law enforcement and and victims advocates there but it should be balanced with people also looking out for the parolee so i liked them calling out that points of judgment now the the other case the ron silver case i thought was really interesting because it's 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 about how far should we go in pragmatism? Because from Ron Silver's point of view, uh, in case you in case you missed it, he was a uh, a death uh, row appeal lawyer who took on a bunch of cases, some of which he would defend vigorously, and some of which he would tank to gain credibility. So, because he's not going and and causing nonsense with people who didn't have a chance. So he's probably right that he might have helped one or two more of his clients with their appeals by sacrificing these other clients. So from a purely pragmatic standpoint, it's there. However, it becomes an injustice into itself by, you know, it's like how much injustice will we stomach for some other justice? And I think the show comes down on the line that he was wildly wrong and I completely agree, but it's a really interesting and fascinating discussion. So I, I liked that. And I liked that his point of view was articulated coherently. He wasn't just some like crazy religious zealot who was whatever, whatever, trying to save souls. He was doing it for a specific reason and that was to help other people. It's just that the the the, the result does not justify the means. Uh, so, I don't know. I really liked it. And so, I, I'm i going to give this episode a 8.92. All
2: right. I like this so, episode.
3: 8.44, 8.92. Before we jump, we should talk about the Easter egg here. I got to be honest with you. It's even too small on my screen. So, is that an indication that Virginia Madsen going to stay with us for a while?
0: That's not Virginia Madsen. That is the author of Chicken Soup of Ah. the Soul. (laughs) And the picture from her book jacket.
3: That is very funny,
0: actually. So uh, there it is. That is the Easter egg. And guys, we did it we are through another episode of the out of practice podcast thank you so much for joining us if you would like to contact us talk to us let us know how you feel you can email us at out of at gmail.com you can find us on facebook and instagram at out of practice podcast this episode of the out of practice podcast is brought to you by generous donations from our donors Go ahead and show that slide by Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69 Lee Ann Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and our new friend and founding sponsor, Curry Kuhn. If you would like to join
3: them, you can do so by leaving a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the links to do either of those things in our show notes, or you can go ahead and become a member of the jury. Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast servicings of choice. And just let us know you did so. And we will welcome you to the jury. Oh, Ladies yeah, I gentlemen. screwed that up. Yeah, that's okay. I screwed okay. that up. That's I messed writing. you up. That was I'm me. I'm there that was to me. Cover your ass. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know, if Keith blacks out drunk as he's wont to do mm. and tries to cop a plea to get himself out of prison, you know what you should do? You should just fire some laser sounds directly at his face. And at least be guilty of the crime that you're going to prison for 40 years for.
0: Wow, that was aggressive, laser sounds. <laughs> well, you know, I guess we... have Working out some it. aggression, Mike?
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us.
0: We'll see you next time. Bye. Week.